Fry Gave a 13th Horror Podcast is a proud independent podcast. To learn more about the show, visit frygave13.com. Welcome to Shady Acres, an LGBTQ plus assisted living community for shady folks. Shady Acres, where the shade is real. Just look at our mature trees. Shady Acres, where all of our residents enjoy weekly brunch, including bottomless mimosas. Only the freshest OJ for our residents. Our guests enjoy our vast array of activities, fan clacking, voguing, and even Britney Spears dance tutorials. And don't forget competitive leather daddy workshops on Sundays. Residents will also enjoy our weekly entertainment. Yes, Monday we exclusively play musicals. On Wednesdays we bring in local drag queens. And don't forget about the go-go dancers on Fridays. Get your dollars ready. Because here at Shady Acres, we know you may be up there in age, but we won't put you in a cage. Unless you're a go-go dancer. It's episode 114. Getting old is terrifying. I am the writing on the wall. The whisper in the classroom. I'm Marjorie Green, and I approve this message. To save America, stop socialism, and stop China. Stay the pie, we honor thee from life to death. Doubters, the doomsters, the gloomsters, they are going to get it wrong. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to run? Where are you going to hide? Nowhere. Because there's no one like you. What do we want? Justice! When do we want it? Let's go! What are you waiting for, huh? What are you waiting for? I want you to know that the movement we started is only just beginning. Sometimes, that is better. She wants to hurt me. And the bitch don't even know me. At 86 years old, Bernice Starnes is full of spunk. She's traveled the world, seen a lot, but never anything like this. I hope that they beat her some of the women in prison, beat her every day for long as she's in there. Some people might say that's harsh. Well, so what, what she did to me was even worse. Tonight, Bernice spoke one-on-one -on -one with PIX11, just minutes after the woman accused of snatching her purse was walked out of the 4-8 police precinct in handcuffs. Welcome back to another episode of Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. I'm Maddie. And I'm Andrew. And if this is your first time with us at Friday the 13th Horror Podcast, this is the podcast that talks all about horror. Horror in real life and in the movies from an LGBTQ perspective. This is episode 114, Andrew. Cool. Um, and this episode is all about, um, you know, Andrew, something that's been on my mind a lot lately as, I, <laughs> as it's happening to me and it's getting old. You know, are you getting old? Are you getting young? What do you think? Um, I'm like, I feel like uh, if I'm being honest, I'm right in the middle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. So he's getting, he's um, getting, he's getting old. Yeah. But, uh, but no, I do. We are starting to experience going to the doctor more, mm -hmm. doing the things more, you know, that, that kind of a thing where in your twenties and even I would say early thirties, you oh, don't yeah. really, you don't really worry about that stuff as much. Like you don't. 
I don't know. You just like uh, you get a cold and you take some cold medicine and everything's good. Well, you know, like, like, and now yeah. you're like, why is why is why is my digestive system all messed up? And oh, yeah. Got to worry yeah. about that. And like all that's kind of why, why does my heart feel weird right now? Yeah. Oh, that's that's probably not good. See, the, the thing about your 20s is that you are actually kind of invincible. Like your body can actually put up with a lot of shit. Frankly, yeah. I know this because I put my body through a lot of shit in my 20s. And then in your 30s, you basically just try to pretend the entire time that you're still in your 20s. And for a lot of us, that works out, right? And then you turn, Andrew, you're, you're, you'll, you'll get here soon. Then you turn 40. And for like a minute, you try to pretend like you're in your 30s. And really quick you learn you just can't do that it doesn't work it doesn't yeah. work it doesn't work you just have to like you have to embrace that you're in your 40s anyways look we'll, we'll get to all of that we're going to have a good episode today we're talking about two great movies um that really fit this well the taking of deborah logan and relic um you know two two hit comedies from from the last decade two Looking movies forward. that if you like skin you're going to be in <laughs> yeah a lot of a lot of weird skin in this uh God, especially in Relic. What the fuck? But anyways, we'll get there soon. Um, Andrew, before we go to um, our horror in real life segment, um, let's talk first about our certified terrifying corner. Three items for you today. Uh, we're talking about, um, first off, this, um, Andrew, you added this one, and I'm glad you did because I, I forgot to. What a fucking story. Um, a Pennsylvania yeah. man. Um, has been arrested after after uh, killing his father. I won't even say allegedly because it's literally on video. Um, after killing his father, um, before displaying his decapitated head in a gruesome YouTube video while spouting right wing conspiracy theories, this is not the premise to a horror film. This is um, real life. <laughs> this actually happened, uh, and I I just can't fathom that. It's it's crazy. It is insane and when you read more about this i didn't add a lot of the details in yeah. our in our little article here because we don't focus too much on, yeah, sure. on these things but the things that he was like against it was the biden administration it was lgbtq people and trans people it was all these things that i'm just like you know the 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 right loves to call us like snowflakes and that we're little titty babies and like yeah. whatever but at the end of the day they're the ones that are so butthurt about everything uh, it's <laughs> uh, it's wild and as i if i remember the story correctly his dad worked for the administration yes, i believe he was yeah. a government worker yes just like uh, i mean look clearly I, I mean, I have to, in this awful story, I have to hope, at, and this is a weird hope to have, that that guy has very serious mental issues. You know what I mean? Like, hopefully he's not actually that evil. Um, that That's a ter terrifying thing to think about. Um, but Jesus fucking Christ. And, you well, know, look. Well, the, thank God he turned himself in by putting himself on YouTube. So. Yeah, there, there you go. Um but I mean, look, it's it's only the start of the election year. Like it's it's just going to stuff like this will keep popping up and it's going to get worse and worse. So I don't know. Crazy. Speaking of the election year, um, Donald Trump also uh, won the New Hampshire primary, which is an actual primary, not the very weird caucus that Iowa does. Um, Nikki Haley, is, she's refusing to drop out. Um, but even with that, Donald Trump is obviously the presumptive nominee here and everyone fucking knows it. So it's almost like with Nikki Haley, just girl just drop out like you're done but at the same time like i was thinking about this this week 
Um, cause I was listening to, I, I, I can't remember, it was somebody talking about her on CNN and it was a conservative commentator and the commentator was like, she's the only real conservative in the race. And I was thinking about it and I was like, God, that dude is actually right. <laughs> like, I know D Donald Trump isn't a real conservative. He's just a fucking clown. He'll do whatever he needs to. Right. So he's a radical. Yeah. He's, he's a fucking radical weirdo. But like, I don't know. I mean, look, Donald Trump is is a, is a demon. I don't want him anywhere near the office. But like Nikki Haley is not that much better when it when it comes right down to it. She's a fucking freak about immigration and about LGBT shit and this and that. She like literally cannot say the Civil War was caused by slavery. She's a fucking freak. Yeah, so it's, it's like and, it's like six or a half dozen. You got a crazy person either way. Yeah, I think like the way that I look at it and the way that. I don't know, I kind of like absorb these kind of things as yeah. I feel like even with her though, she's at least a little bit more predictable. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, that makes sense. Whereas I get whereas that. Donald Trump is a fucking crazy person. Like you don't yeah. know what he's gonna do. And God forbid you like call him fat one day, he's gonna like uh bomb somewhere you know what i mean like it's well, it's it's well, so calls, crazy uh, well, like, well he calls other people fat which is just weird also i really hate when people like go into that with donald trump i'm like it's, when we start doing body stuff like that it opens up the field for everybody i think it's such a weird thing um uh, yeah I, I i only meant that as an example oh, no, 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 i just no. I mean, mean like no, I, I know it's not you i'm just saying like i when i see like like just big people on social media i'm like would you just stop you know what i mean i like, i am dumb. i'm honestly so sick of people focusing on looks Ugh. these days like anything when, like when people are like oh looks like looks like melanie griffith got her face done again and i'm like who cares just Good let for them her. fucking live their let life fucking like she jesus christ. christ i mean seriously jesus christ um and then the final item here is about uh the the israel hamas war um this one is really interesting so it, it came out that this we're recording this on what day is it the the third february third of february um this came out last week in the news that unra which is the united nations relief works association or or, or agency pardon me um that uh is essentially the the un agency in in palestine that that provides aid and like services to to palestinians basically right um, it's a, it's a, it, it was an extremely well-funded agency, thousands of employees that, that, that work for it, working to provide aid to people who need it, blah, 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 blah. It came out that, uh, a, a number of, of their employees in UNRWA took part in the October 7th massacre in Israel. In other words, they took part in the murder, in the rape and in the kidnapping of innocent Israelis, um, which is absolutely reprehensible. Now, what's interesting about this is a, a, the latest New York Times article that just came out says that it wasn't even Israel that informed America about this. It was actually the agency itself, right? Huh. And that's really important because everyone is saying that Israel tortured people to get them to say that they were that they were part of October 7th and Israel did this and Israel did that because people like to blame Jews for things. That's what they like to do. And I, I'm just, I'm here to say that. And I think it's fucked up. So it is really interesting that the agency itself not only fired those employees right away, 
but they also took the action of telling other governments that fund them that this that this occurred. So it's going to be really interesting to hear about what happens moving forward. Um, but many many countries um, have have suspended. They haven't cut off, but they have suspended funding for UNRWA until they get this figured out. Um, some countries have not, like Ireland, for example, or um, I think Norway is also one of them that hasn't. I can't, it's one of the Nordics. I, I can't quite recall. Um, so it's not everybody, but most countries have. So it's going to be really interesting to see um, see what happens here. Let's let's just hope for peace. That's that's all I can say. Yeah, I'm hopefully. hoping for peace. And also, I'll tell you this: it is the primary reason why I have left Twitter because people are fucking insane about this. And I just I'll hope for peace all the live long day. But people who are literally literally cheering on Hamas, you have a very serious problem. <laughs> You have a very serious <laughs> problem inside of you that you need to go get checked out because it's wrong. And, you know, what's happening with Palestinians is not is fucking awful. It's terrible what's happening. But if you can't at the same time say that what Hamas did was terrible, you you you've got to screw fucking loose. And I'm I'm here to say that. Um, anyways, Andrew, that is a certified terrifying corner. So let's get on with our horror in real life. And Andrew, the horror in real life segment today is about a really uplifting um <laughs> Uh, thing to think about and it's about getting old <laughs> and um it's it's weird you know there, there's so many so many ways that you could go into this what what's the way that you kind of chose to talk about this today so i i really wanted to focus on like the treatment of the elderly and yeah. by elderly i mean like 70 plus probably sure um because i i do feel like it we 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 hold people up so high in regard to how we respect them and how we uh, kind of like understand that they've lived a life, blah, 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 mm -hmm. until they get to about 70. Hmm. And then I feel like we kind of just are like, well, you know, you did your thing. Good night. Like, you know what I mean? Like, guess you should die now. Yeah. And I just feel like and then, and then we look at people in power. We look at our our president. We look at our prospective president election coming up, and they're all in their upper seventies. And we're like, 80s. yes, they're, they're in their eighties. <laughs> um, is Donald Trump is in the eighties yet? I don't. Yeah, he's he. I what, let me check right now. But I was pretty sure he's about to turn eighty years old. Unless I'm crazy. Let me see. Um, but I just feel like. When they get to oh, pardon me, pardon me, pardon me. He is seventy-seven. So by yeah. the time of the election, he will be seventy-eight, though. Okay, and I just feel like we kind of, in a way, we like just like kind of throw these people away, and it's it's really sad because that there is like a there is a level of like history that they carry and a level of understanding of like what the world was like that they carry that we could learn a lot from that we don't necessarily take advantage of, if that makes any sense. Yeah, of course it does. I, you know, I think part of it is like, you know, life, modern life has gotten, I'm going to put this in quotes and these are air quotes has gotten better. Right. So like people, are generally healthier. There's more like mitigations to help people live longer. There's now. more information. There's more information. And like, you know, it's, it, I, I, you work in healthcare. Healthcare is not about like, um, healthcare is not about like, what, what am I looking for here? Healthcare is actually like about making sure that you live longer now, basically. Yeah. Whereas maybe in the past it was about more palliative, like treating the pain and 
making you just kind of feel good. Now it's like, no, we're going to extend your life as much as we can. Extension it's, and quality of life is like there the, you go. the game. Yeah. yeah. And so like, I think in a lot of ways, like we just haven't evolved as a society enough to, to like keep up with that. Like, what does it mean? Like at the same time, we're like, back in the day, our parents would have taken care of their own parents, right? Right. Like now, how do we do that? Like how, how do, like, like I can't take care of my mom. You know what I mean? Like I, I live in, number one, I live in another country, but like also I wouldn't have the space or the room for her. And you know, like that, that's the case for a lot of people, I would imagine. Well, that's, you know? that's just the thing is people now don't understand. Well, I mean, they do understand because they're living through it, but like it's, the cost of living and the cost of like owning property compared to what we make is so vastly different than just 20, 30 years ago. It's impossible. That it it feels impossible unless you have generational wealth. Completely. One hundred percent. And and that's just that's just it. It's like you know, thankfully for, for, I mean, just thinking about my mom, my mom is, she, she'll be, um, uh, she'll be 88 this year. Right. So like, thankfully for her, she had nine kids, you know? So like one of them was likely going to be able to take care of her. And that is exactly what's happening right now. But like, think about like, I'll use myself as an example here. Right. So, you know, like I'm, I don't, there's no one, I, I I'm not married. I don't have children. I I won't have children at, at this point in my life. And like there's every possibility that I'll, you know, continue my life as a single person. I make good money now, but like that won't last forever. I'm 41 years old. How much longer can I actually work making that good money? So how much longer can I keep that up? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And eventually there will be a point where I can't work anymore. And then I'll have to go into some sort of care. What am I supposed to do? You know? And so like this is the the question that a lot of people are asking themselves. I think especially if you happen to be LGBTQ because we live different lives, right? I mean, a lot of us don't have kids. I don't know what the numbers are, but you know, I would I would venture to say right now that there are fewer LGBT people that have children that could take care of them in the future than our straight counterparts, right? Yeah. Or or people that do have children, whatever you want to call them. Um and and also too, like I mean, they th there there is more wealth there because like you would have wealth that you, that you might have invested, but then also like your kids would have money too to help take care of you. I mean, right. there's just there's so many variables there that like it, in a lot of ways, queer people are just kind of fucked <laughs> when yeah. we get older. And I'll tell you, I remember when I when I was young, like in my young twenties, and I had, I had moved to Chicago, and I remember that they were talking about building like a, a like a senior citizens place that was like just for LGBT people. There is one now, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I remember thinking back then, like I didn't really get that. Like it didn't it didn't make a lot of sense to me. And like now, it totally makes sense. Like now. Like that's something that I would that that I would actively seek in the future is like a community for like old queer people where I could like go and be safe and be taken care of kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I can tell you that if we we do make it to the age of assisted living, yeah, um, which we'll we'll be lucky to be if we do. <laughs> but mm -hmm. uh, um, according to the Genworth Cost of Care Survey in 2021, the oh, median cost of assisted living in Illinois. So this is I I had to pick a place, so I just picked where I'm. Yeah, from, sure. Um, was found to be about forty for, for about forty five hundred dollars a month. Um, the, the most affordable was outside in Carbondale, which if you're from Illinois, you know, that Carbondale is 
out there when it comes to in it's in, out there when it comes to like a uh, proximity to chicago uh where the monthly cost is about 3500 um but it, it it just it skyrockets and then i did read that if you are dealing with a um uh, uh like an alzheimer's situation mm-hmm. they also charge you about eleven hundred dollars more yeah sure for something like that because of yeah. the uh, it, it, because of the extended care and i can tell you like honestly i know a lot of people have this thought of like i don't want to lose my independence da 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 when I get to a certain age, maybe I just want to be taken care of. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. I get it. It's, um, I, I mean, also too, I think that, I mean, obviously these, these are like the median costs. Cause I was going to say these seem actually pretty low, you know, like I, I remember when we were looking into, you know, possibilities for my mom, the costs were just like, how the fuck are we ever going to do this? And even like with, you know, my mom lives with my sister and we have, we have some home health care that we hire for her to and, and they, they come in like periodically through the week I, I don't remember what the exact cost is but even that per month has got to be like four thousand bucks i would say yeah, and that's, that's crazy like, and that's not her living in a place or the person or like you know her getting food from it or or this or that or whatever you know this is a, a very nice lady who, who we like a lot comes in and talks to mom and hangs out with her and does things and you know does her you know bathing and everything else it's it's it's, it's awesome but it costs a lot of fucking money and yeah, you know, if you don't have that money, like, it's just, how the fuck do you do it? How the fuck do well, you do it? And like, honestly, like I, I don't want to go into this too much, but I have to like bring it up is like the, the, just like the system that we have set up is doesn't benefit anybody because we put so much money into retirement and essentially retirement is a gamble in and of itself because it's kind yeah. of it kind of functions as like a stock because it goes up and down sure and at the end of the day that's what you're supposed to live off of you know after you turn you know 65 66 67 whenever you decide to retire but then like because of the way medicare and medicaid is set up because you don't have insurance through your employer anymore if you get sick you're fucked you you are fucked and when when like, i can tell you i can tell you when it comes to medicaid it, it's it's very like it's very difficult and i'm sure listeners out there have dealt with this with their own parents but like i know for my mom if 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 we ever want to be able to tap into medicaid she has to literally have zero money nothing right nothing left and even when she has zero money which will eventually happen that's just that's the natural way of things even when she has zero dollars nothing's left they will do a look back on her accounts to see where that money was spent. So it's 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 ridiculous. Like honestly, who gives a flying fuck how she's? If she wanted to buy, she's eighty. She's eighty fucking seven years old. If she wants to buy fucking nothing but pizzas all the live long day, fucking let her. Who gives right. A- In the meantime, the woman has produced nine children that are all active members of society. They pay taxes. They do this. They do that. Like help her out in the end. You know, it shouldn't it shouldn't take my mom being completely bankrupt to get her the health care that she needs. And I think that's, that's, that's what I mean. I, I just heard a story the other day about like um, someone that was volunteering for an event um, for for cancer. And she was talking about how her husband went through cancer and it completely wiped them out of their retirement. And now yeah. they're like having to depend on their kids to like help them like month to month. And I'm just like, this is this is like what 
it's just so awful. I feel so bad for people that have worked their entire life, just like we have. I've I've worked yeah. since I was 14 and a half years old nonstop. Yep. yep. And I'm not and I'm not complaining about that, but like I'm sorry, but if you work for 30, 40, 50 years plus and you don't get to just enjoy the rest of your life, that is fucked. Fucking <laughs> fucking bingo. I mean, and like this is you know, and not even gets to get like too political about it, but like this is the, this is the kind of shit that like I mean, listen, when we look at modern American politics right now, like anyone who thought that Bernie Sanders was that radical, like you need to go back and check yourself. Like he, like now Bernie seems like a moderate for God's sake. Like come on, and Medicare for all was one of the things that was going to deal with this, right? But instead, we just keep ourselves working in the same system that you were just talking about, like the system that benefits nobody, because in the, at the end of the day, you're just fucked. And like, you know, listen, retirement is just kind of a lie. Like no, none of us are going to have enough money to retire. Like I wish right. that were the case. Like I know I do know a few people who like literally make a fucking fuck ton of money. Who like are they just they, yeah they'll probably be okay to retire <laughs> like well, yeah. well and let's just be honest they don't do anything that we don't do but yeah, whatever exactly <laughs> right they, they listen they they push buttons in the same way that I do but most of us and I'm saying this about myself I can't speak for for you or anyone else but like I do know most of my friends we're not going to be able to retire in the way that anyone thinks we'll be able to no. so it's like what the fuck are we supposed to do you know yeah it's it's messed up well. Um, just as we kind of stay on course with uh, assisted living, let's talk about some of the horrors of the nursing home. This is going to be so bad. Oh, God. This, like, this is the shit that like it, it makes me so sad, but also so incredibly angry at the same time. Fuck. You, but like, it's one of those things like you never want to talk about it. But if you I don't know. talk about it, people won't understand. Yeah, I know. You yeah. know, yeah. tell us, Andrew, tell us, tell us the awful things. So the first one um, is, it, so there are kind of like four big anchors of how the elderly are exploited. And the first one is, the the weirdest one, is sexual exploitation. So, you know, Andrew, this is the one that they're going to try to do to me. <laughs> of course. Of course. I mean, why wouldn't they? You're, yeah. you're, so, you're so sexual. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, th- look, they're going to say, who is this very good looking 80 year old? And right. how can we, how can we exploit his, his good looks? Well, speaking of, an 83-year-old woman in Minneapolis oh boy. Uh, was in a care facility and was vi- violated by a male caregiver in oh 2014. God. Oh, my God. Unfortunately, the patient was unable to speak, so how was she supposed to explain oh, what was happening oh, to oh her? Oh, my God. Uh, thankfully, uh, the perpetrator was sentenced to eight years in prison for his actions. He probably should have gone away for a lot longer than that. Um, but uh, her her daughter says, you know, I still feel the guilt of not being able to take care of her myself and having the entrust her care to others, only ever subjected to the unthinkable ex- assault. So this it, this just like it trickles down. And when you think about who you're entrusting your care to, it's just like, you know, it's really strange. We we Evil. come into the, we come into this world as babies, and we kind of leave as babies too, yeah. in a weird way. Because seven, our, the seven ages of man, yeah, our our functions kind of settle back down to a, a certain age a, a, when you get to a certain age, or when you hit a certain part of your of your journey. Um, but to take advantage of that, and I, I 
I don't understand human beings sometimes. The, I really the, don't. The, see, and, and that's just the thing is the word for what that piece of actual garbage did. It, it, it's evil. That there's no other word that, that that I can put to it. It's evil. And like, listen, people like that literally throw him off a cliff. I don't give a flying fuck. I, I don't. I don't need him in jail for eight years. I need him thrown off a cliff. That yeah. that that would do well for him. I think. Uh, the second. Uh, form of elderly abuse is severe neglect. So uh, a woman in Iowa uh, in a nursing home lost her life as a result to severe neglect. She was hospitalized when an overnight nurse reported that the resident was moaning around 3 a.m. When she arrived at the hospital, emergency room physician explained to her daughter that she was extremely dehydrated and had probably and had probably suffered a stroke. Oh my god! Um, the physician stated that the resident went without water or any type of fluids for at least four or five days. God, can you imagine how scared that, that woman must have been? I know. Just, just laying there, no one answering her, no one giving her anything, and just feeling like I'm utterly alone in this world. Thankfully, the facility was fined. Not nearly as much as they... <laughs> when, we, when we put a price on people, it's really messed up. I, I realize to. that... the have to, I, yeah. I realize that there has to be some sort of compensation, but like to say like this woman's life was only worth seventy seven thousand dollars is is just really weird. Did me? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It says that she lost her life. That's just that's uh, awful. God, is that awful? The third one is uh, physical abuse. So a patient in New Jersey was a victim to physical force when a disoriented resident refused to get up from the toilet in order to make the resident stand up. An abusive certified nurse agent, um, also known as a CNA, began to pull the resident's hair and pull the nipple of the resident's breast to get the resident to stand up. What? I Listen, I understand that the a lot people can be very um uh difficult to deal with especially when they get to an age that they don't want to comply but that doesn't result in then you pulling their hair it doesn't <laughs> yeah it doesn't justify it. i mean like listen if, if you don't like your job go get a new fucking job it like it's not it's not your right to like be a healthcare worker <laughs> like right. because because you couldn't do anything else you're you're an asshole and you deserve the worst to happen to you for doing that oh my god and then finally negligent homicide is the fourth form of elderly uh abuse and this this one is insane but in august of 2005 if you remember where you were at that time hurricane katrina hit louisiana really hard and a mandatory evacuation order was issued to keep kind of you know the residents safe yeah sure um a lot of nursing homes evacuated their residents as they should because a mandatory evacuation means mandatory means you should and have to do it (laughs) but the one facility stated that they were afraid of moving residents because it would put them at risk unfortunately when the levees broke it drowned 35 residents um and all those people lost their lives and because (sighs) someone couldn't have the gumption to actually do their job you know it's all this modern life that we have now you know like fucking there's there's a thirty five hundred dollar fucking ai fucking virtual reality headset from apple that just came out there's all this new shit there's cars that drive themselves there's whatever and you got this shit happening 
You know what I mean? Right. We, we, we can figure out, I mean, it's just like, it's like everything else, but we can figure out how to go to the fucking moon and how to go to Mars and how to leave the solar system with, with a satellite. We can't figure out how to take care of our elders. Right. We can't, we can't figure that. Like, how, how have we not figured this out yet? I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. It's, it's uh, awful. It, 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 it is it, really Like I bad. said, this is, this is the shit that just pisses me off so much. And like, I you know. know, my, my mom did not, I'm sorry to keep going back to my mom. But it's like the only example uh, that it's, I have. It's what you have to right. glean from. Um, But like, you know, she was adamant. She didn't want to go to anything. Um, and so, you know, that's how it ended up. And, you know, and to be fair, like we, we weren't looking at like nursing homes. We were looking at like, you know, sort of like, like, um, like houses where just old people live kind of thing. Yeah. You yeah, think yeah. That yeah. Like, sense? uh, like a, like a, like a check-in facility. Type yeah. Of thing. It's, yeah. it's, it's not like assisted living. It's like, it's just like a fucking house that that's really basically it. Anyways. Um, I'm, I'm happy that she gets to live with, with my sister who, who does take really good care of her and, you know, she's around family and all that. I, mean, I, just, I can't imagine her being in any situation like this. And I could imagine that if anyone did anything to her like that, the thing that I would do to that person, because um, I, I, I don't know, the rage inside of me wouldn't let me do anything else. Um, Andrew, thanks for that um, harrowing and depressing look at getting old. Um, yeah, yes. sorry about that. But. That's okay. Um, uh, so the thing that I brought to the table is um, thinking about uh, loneliness in old people. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, in old people, listen, I'm that's just going to say old, I'm just going to say old people. That's it. Yeah, that's fine. You know, and that's, that's the other, that's the other part that we've kind of gloss over yeah. is that a lot of the time when people get to a certain age, you know, over 70, like I said before, uh, there's a good chance that they have maybe lost a spouse or like are not around family as much or all of their friends are gone yeah or like their kids move to another state or you know just like there's a there's a a variable many many things that that could go into this but i think that it's a it's a it's a good point to bring up that yeah sometimes that's why people do want to go into assisted living is that there's other people around exactly they're at least can make friends so but yeah loneliness i can only imagine is a huge part of it so here's a little article that I found. This is on USA Today. It is from from 2022, but um, that's recent enough, I think, um, to, to have a look at this. Listen, and I, I still think it's 2018 around here. So yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what year it is or, or what day for that matter. But um, the, the, the title here is Most LGBTQ Elders Feel Lonely. And here's what organizations are doing to help. So a little bit of hope in our episode here too, right? So uh, I'll just go ahead and and read some of this to you. Uh, More than 3 million LGBTQ adults over age 50 live in the U.S., and more than half of them feel lonely. Why exactly? LGBTQ older adults are three or four times less likely than older Americans in general to be parents, what we were talking about earlier. Meaning in most cases, they don't have children able to take care of them. They're twice as likely to live alone, according to LGBTQ elder advocacy organization, SAGE. But these problems often regularly go unnoticed. Invisibility is one of the biggest challenges that LGBTQ elders face, says Michael Adams, CEO of SAGE. This is in the context of a country where adult children and spouses and partners are the primary sources of care and support for older people later in life, he added. 
The population in America is set to reach about 7 million by 2030, meaning millions more could face the same feelings. So while LGBTQ elders face unique complications when it comes to aging, programs around the country are offering ways to help them attain emotional, physical, and financial security. Never count out the community however. Hmm. And uh, Adams went on to say, there are real gaps here. There are real challenges. And we're also talking about a very resilient community of elders, something to think about. SAGE offers services and programs that are specifically designed for LGBTQ elders. Think traditional senior centers with hot meals and exercise classes, but in a dedicated, safe space. The pandemic has evidently migrated certain pro- uh, programs online. This is a little bit outdated because of 2022, of course, but some stories in here, some personal stories. Uh, Dominique uh, Lebreton, 60, she's 60 years old, um, found comfort in Sage through its video chat services and made a friend she, sp- uh, I'm going to start crying, and made a friend she speaks with for about an hour a week. Her adoptive daughter, a member of her chosen family, introduced her to the organization and helped her enroll. The New York resident is grateful for the respite from isolation. I didn't expect to get past 60. The whole thing just seemed like a hopeless endeavor, she says. Lebreton, who is transgender and bisexual, also has the mental health condition dissociative identity disorder due to childhood trauma. She's all right with the virtual interactions for now. When that day comes, if that day comes, in person would be nice, she says. I'm in no hurry for it to happen because it's the dead of winter. Bless her. (laughs) Uh, The organization provides case management services like helping somebody sign up for Medicare or for veterans benefits or helping a person transition from a three-story walk-up into an apartment that is on the ground floor because they can no longer get up and down the stairs. The group also helps to train nursing homes on how to work respectively and effectively with LGBTQ elders. Several factors contribute to higher levels of poverty among LGBT folks. Historically, employment benefits have not been made available in equal terms for LGBT people, like health insurance for partners. Um, As of 2018, 17% of new HIV diagnoses in the U.S. came from people, listen to this, 50 years old and above. Can you imagine that, Andrew? Jesus. Yeah. The cumulative impact of discrimination in the workplace and denial of workplace benefits over the lifetime, it it creates poverty. And we see that in the statistics about retirement savings and assets that LGBTQ older people have. Being a part of Sage's leadership was a no-brainer for Adams um, after watching his own grandmother age. Even someone with loyal, loving people around them still struggle with aging. Mm-hmm. What would it be like for someone without anyone around? Right. It just kept on hitting me how incredibly difficult it would be for members of my own community, members of the LGBT community who get to that point in life, but don't have any of those supports, don't have any of that family structure. So a few things that this article offers that that you could do if you're thinking, if any part of you is thinking about how, how you might be able to help. Um, the first thing is learn about the history, right? So Stonewall Community Development Cor- Corporation um, offers programs to help aging community members. The executive director, Paul Nagel, uh, told program director Saif Lashaw uh, something that inspired him to get involved with Stonewall in the first place. The generation of older adults that were in the streets in the wake of Stonewall riots in 1969 are the ones that are now having to go back into the closet to safely access services. That's, That's crazy. 
Um, the next one here is just pay attention to the needs of the, of the community, whether it's serving as a volunteer in a community-based organization like Sage, or just opening your eyes and noticing that the person who lives down the street from us or down the hall from us might be an older person living in isolation that needs support. It's, it's two easy things that, that any of us can do, no matter where you live. Um, mm-hmm. And then the final thing here is, and I think this is important, don't throw this group a pity party. Um, and Adam says, we're talking about incredibly resilient people, about elders who have lived through decades of oppression, discrimination, invisibility, violence, and who have not only survived, but continued to thrive. And that's, I think it, it's a really so important. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. you know, like I know that like some people get into like elder speak where like they'll be around grandma and they'll go, right, grandma, doesn't that sound good? And it's like, why don't you fuck off? Like she's still a normal fucking person. You know what I mean? So like. Don't don't treat these people like they're fucking stupid or like they're invalids. Like they they've been through more than you can ever believe. Respect them and let's help them in some way. And God, listen, in twenty years, someone's gonna have to help me and you, yeah, right. Andrew, and Michael, <laughs> and all the rest of our fucking gay friends. Like we're gonna need that help one day. So let's get the good karma out while we can. You know, like put on Kylie Minogue. <laughs> <laughs> yes, basically, yes, that is what's gonna happen. Yeah, but um, that that's really important that you shared that. So yeah. I'm glad that you brought that to the table because Sweet I think loves. that we do sometimes forget that these people are people at the end of the day. Yeah, and they just want to have a conversation or just share something about their past <sighs> or their present or their future. Andrew, I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this little story and I, maybe I've told you this before. I don't know, but, um, uh, there was this great man that I knew and he was, he was a priest actually in the Episcopal church and his name was cotton fight, the Reverend cotton fight. What a name. Right. And he was this just incredibly well-spoken, beautiful older man who had lived this incredible life as a priest and was really involved in like justice work in Israel and Palestine and and in gun violence work in in the United States and had just been around and really put in the work, right? And I served on a committee with him in the Diocese of Chicago for for a few years, um, and he was just wonderful. And at that time, I actually had a therapist. I forget her first name now, but they were actually friends. It was like something for us to kind of chuckle over. Um, But I, I just, I loved him. Um, and there was a time when I didn't see cotton for a while. And then I was in Evanston. Um, and for listeners, that's, you know, right by Chicago. It's where Northwestern is. And, and Andrew, I was actually with Ben then. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had, ju- we had just seen a movie and we were walking down the street. Love going to Evanston to go to that AMC. <laughs> that's baby. right. Baby. Go, to, go to Chili's downstairs. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we were, we were walking, we were walking back down the street towards the car and I saw cotton. And I couldn't believe it. And, and I said, oh, my God, Cotton. And it was raining that day. It was not a nice day at all, right? And it was raining. And I was like, oh, Cotton, it's so good to see you. It's just so good to see you. And we, you know, we had a little hug. And that was it. Okay. And I was like, you know, Cotton, okay, see you later. I'll see you soon. And he turned to me and he, and he, said, it, he said it just like this. He goes, oh, Maddie, can't you just stay for a moment? And I'll never forget it. And I and it, it hit me so hard when he said it to me. And it, it hit me like literally, it was like a, a horse fucking kicked me in my heart. Yeah. And I said, and there, there happened to be a bench right there. And I said, of course I can, Cotton. And we sat down and talked for a while. And he he died the next year. Um, and I'll never forget the courage that he had to say that to me. And um, 
and it just it really it taught me a lesson about like you you talk to the people while they're there you know yeah. you don't you don't wait until they have to beg you for a moment and um i don't know i offer that as a as a gift for everybody because it's something that really did change the way that that i that i looked at a lot of things really yeah did. that's crazy um i did i actually didn't know that story so thank you for sharing that yeah of course um just one more final thing and i'm not going to go into a ton yeah, of please. detail on this just because there was one really big thing that i didn't know was a thing so i kind of yeah. wanted to bring it up but Tell like, us. yeah so another thing that the elderly you know kind of have to deal with is that they probably have a majority of the wealth at the end of the day um whether mm-hmm. that be good point the, yeah good spending habits or you know but kind of saving up i i I don't think that our generation will have the same wealth no we definitely will not but i'm talking about like the people that are you know now you know 70 plus and did a good job and had good government to take care of them but um so there's this thing like they are financially like looked at as like targets and um, oh yes for sure and especially for financial scams and you know there are a lot of different ones there's government impersonation scams there's sweepstakes scams there's technical support scams where they Evil. kind of take advantage of like what you don't know but there are two that i didn't even know were a thing until i started looking this up what are they so there's one obviously we all know what robocalls are we yeah. now get on our phones you know uh what does it do you what does it usually say like um so supported scam or supported spam or or something like that okay. like when it's a number Supposed that you it, know. Yeah. um but what i didn't know is that there are common robocalls that will target um you know people of a certain age that they'll just say oh hello um can you hear me and of course when oh, you answer the no. phone all, oh, all no. you're gonna say is uh yeah I, I i can hear you and then that robocall will hang up on you well what I didn't know is that they have technology out there that can use that just just yes and impersonate you <gasps> on voice signatures, on credit <sighs> cards, on all kinds of things that you then have no control over. Like, and especially now in the day and age of AI, this oh is only going to get worse. <laughs> like, uh, that that's uh, listen, like I. I I work in technology. I wish we could literally put AI away and never take it out again. I I hate AI. I'm I'm I I fucking I can't stand it. It it drives me nuts. The fact that we don't have legislation on this and it's the fact that we don't have rules for this awful. is really really bad. Awful. <laughs> and like look, it's it's like people are just digging their own holes using it. Like keep using it for your work email. Keep using it for this and that. You're gonna keep getting you, dumber. <laughs> yep, you will be out of a fucking job. And now it's gonna scam your ass at the same time too. AI needs to go back in its little weird ugly box. Bye bye. See you. Please say. Please see our episode. Artificial intelligence is terrifying. <laughs> you know, Andrew, it's it's great that we're at that that point in our podcast where like literally we have 113 episodes before this one where we can say for pretty much any subject now go see that one. Yeah. And then the last one here is called simply the grandparent scam, which I didn't know anything about. Oh, my God. But is where they will target people and they'll just call them and say either hi, grandma or hi, grandpa. Do you know who this is? 
And then when an unaware grandparent guesses the name of the grandchild, the scammer most sounds like the scammer will able to instantly secure their trust. The <gasps> fake grandchild then asks for money to solve some urgent financial problem, such as like overdue rent or car repairs or a jail bond. And they may beg the grandparent not to tell anyone. Oh my God. And since fraudsters often ask to be paid via gift cards or money transfer, there's no way they're going to get that money back. Guess what, bitch? This won't work on me because I won't have grandkids, bitch. <laughs> See you. I'll be. They'll, they'll do that to me when I'm like 70. I'll be like, uh, actually, I don't have any, you little fuck. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. But yeah, those were just two that I didn't know anything about. So I thought it was interesting to kind of shed wow. some light for people that maybe not don't know about those type of things. But listen, everyone out there is out to get your money. So yeah. just protect yourself and protect your parents and protect your grandparents if you still have them, which, I, you know, thankfully, I still do have one grandparent yeah. left. But, you know, well, you know, and that's the thing about grandparents. She'll still either call me fat or too skinny every time i see her but you know God i love, love her. her so much here granny let's go to this nursing home now how about that yeah. um <laughs> listen I'll, I'll i'll leave our listeners with this we're all getting old whether you like it or not so think about the ways that you're going to do it as gracefully as possible and um think about that good karma you're going to put out there you know because one day we're all going to need it andrew we will need uh-huh. it all right, that's it for our horror in real life segment. We'll be right back with What You Been Watching, bitch. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, it's time for everyone's favorite segment. It's What You Been Watching, bitch. What You Been Watching, you old bitch. That one was easy. <laughs> that was, this that is the segment of the show where we talk about what we've been watching, reading, listening to. It can kind of go anywhere, but it's typically what we've been watching, you bitches. So, Maddie, what you been watching? Okay, uh, I'm going to start with one that is really, really fucking good. Um, this is this was this is maybe one of the best things I've ever seen before. Um, this is called the Zone of Interest. Um, the Zone of Interest is a film from Jonathan Glazer, who is a really great filmmaker and who makes very few films. Like, I think his last film before this was like 12 years ago. Like, that's that's how like little he does. Um, it's an A24 movie. So, you know, it's got that weird little zing to it. Right. Um, and it has uh, a cast of people that probably most of us don't really know because they're all Europeans. Um, they're Polish people and they are Germans. Um, there's one that people might know, though, and that's Sandra Huller, because Sandra Huller was also in um, Anatomy of a Fall, which is up for Best Picture and up for Best Foreign. foreign. Yeah, I want to see that. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I, I think I think you'll you'll really like it. Um, but so she's in it, blah, 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 blah. So what is the story here? Um, the Zone of Interest is about Auschwitz, and it's specifically about the commandant of Auschwitz, um, Rudolf Hess. And Rudolf Hess and his, and his wife, Hedwig, um, they live just outside of the gates at Auschwitz with their children. And so this movie is all about them. That, that's all this is about. You do not ever go into Auschwitz in this movie, ever. So you only stay outside the walls in their beautiful little house that they stole from somebody because they're Nazis. 
and where they're making their perfect little Nazi life happen while just over the gate, which is literally like the gate of their garden, people are being murdered and tortured and burned alive. And so what's amazing about this movie is like, like once again, you don't see that happening. Andrew, you just hear it the whole time. And it is fucking harrowing. Like, I don't, I don't know this apparent this does come from a book. Um, and, but the book from what I understand, the book is very, very different. It's, it's like a different take on the story, but the, the, the book inspired this movie. Um, I can't tell you how unsettling this movie is. And like Jonathan Glazer has, he's really stylistic. So there's some like fucked up, like visual stuff and lighting and that kind of shit that happens. Um, it's, it's all part of the film. And there's one part near the end of the movie, which of, of course I'm not going to give it, give away that is just like this meta fucking thing that will blow your mind, It'll blow your fucking mind. I saw this, um, in the cinema. Um, I would say if you have a chance to see it in the cinema, you should do that because it's just like, I mean, I'm, I'm going to watch it at home as soon as I can, but like it, it's a, like the, 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 the stylistic parts of it that I, that I was just talking about there that I also, I don't want to give away like that shit on a big fucking screen is like, that's the effect you want. Trust me. Like it's just, it's so good. If, if this movie should win film of the year, um, I think it's incredibly important. It couldn't be more timely than right now um, because it's showing you exactly how banal uh, bigotry and hatred is. Like th- these are people who live in this house who think that they're doing literally nothing wrong while they're the ones who are killing millions of people, millions of people, or not millions, but however many were, were, were killed in Auschwitz, just over the wall. Oh, Andrew, yeah. it's so fucked up. It's it's one of the best things I've ever seen. Go see it as soon as you can. Is this in contention for this year's awards? Uh, I think it is. I think I, you know, I honestly, haven't heard anything about this. So you know, I don't really. I know. I hate to bring this up, but like because I never got to watch the award shows, I just kind of don't care about them anymore. Um, yeah, but nobody like, here cares about them either. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I don't exactly. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I haven't looked at the list, but I'll tell you, it should be um, because it is incredible. And like, I don't know. That's it. I'll leave it there. Just just go see it. I I thought it. I it, it's a hard movie to say that you love, but I loved it. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Anything with that topic is yeah, never exactly. going to be uh, great. But it's you, not you, comedy of the year. You know right. what I mean? Like it's it's not it's not a Adam Sandler film or anything. Well, to turn the ship completely around to something <laughs> completely irrelevant um, is uh, I've been watching The Traitors season two on Peacock. How's and, that going? Oh my god! If you uh, if you like reality TV in any way, shape, or form, you will love this fucking show. Cool. Because that, like, so the premise of the traders is essentially if you've ever played the game Mafia, Werewolf, any of these things where you're sure. trying to figure yeah. out who is the, okay. the kind of the person. Michael, Michael loves him a mafia game. I know that. Yeah. Um, and so at the at the beginning of the of the season, they pick three or in this season, they pick two traders and then everyone it, the rest of the game is them just trying to figure out who their traders are. And if there are any traders left at the end of the game, the traders get the money. Yeah, if cool. the faithful figure out who the traders are, the faithful get the money. The faithful. Um, I love it. Oh, my God. But this time around, so the first season of The Traders, they kind of split it in half. They did half reality show people, half normal people. 
in this season of the traders, they just went full hog on reality people. And it is so entertaining because it's all reality people because it's, it's seasoned reality people. It's Parvati and Sandra from um, survivor. It's Dan and uh, Janelle from big brother. It's Larsa Pippen and her now boyfriend who is the son of Michael Jordan. Yes, I said that correctly. Larsa Pippen, the ex-wife of uh, of Pippen, is now dating Michael Jordan's son. Wait, wait, <laughs> wait, wait, what? What? Is that yes. real? So Scotty Pippen's ex-wife, who he, who, who, who he was married to for, with, I think... He's with, he's with MJ. She's with MJ's son now? So they were married for, I want to say, about 17 years. Andrew they got. They got divorced, and now she's dating Michael Jordan's son. How old is the son? How old is the son? They're, I think they're about 20 years apart. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The scandal. But that means that she probably knew this person as a child. Oh, no. She <laughs> Listen, Scotty Pippen and his wife knew that kid as a – before when they were a zygote. Like, mm-hmm. this, that is – oh, my God. That's wild. Oh, my God. So just all of this – drama wrapped up into then putting them into a game in a mansion in scotland hosted by alan cumming of all people <laughs> oh wow wow okay it's it's reality show of the year you gotta watch it all right <laughs> so I am, you, you know that i'm not the biggest reality fan but i will watch this i will definitely <laughs> that that excites me okay cool you have to um andrew my next one oh this movie uh, just saw this this week, actually. Um, poor things. Have you heard of this? Yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, hubbub around this movie. Wow. Um, so this is poor things with. Uh, it's from first of all, it's from Yorgos Lanthimos, who's a, a filmmaker that I love. He did um, Killing of a Sacred Deer, which I just I still think is one of the most fantastic things ever. Um, he did The Favorite, which I fucking love that movie so much. Um, and now here's Poor Things um, with Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem, Willem Dafoe, Rami Youssef, and Christopher Abbott. Those are, those are the main people, which is a fucking killer cast. Got some news for you. Um, this movie is... It's fucking wild. It's like nothing you've seen before. The The imagery is crazy. The style of it is off. It's supposed to be be like kind of like a modern day Frankenstein, right? I I would say this is a mix of like, this is a mix of like Gulliver's Travels, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, and like something else that I can't think of. I don't know. Gulliver's Um, Travels. But yeah, like, (laughs) but like like essentially it really is basically like Frankenstein. Um, And Emma Stone is, is, is Frankenstein essentially. Uh, what a movie. I, I, it's, 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 it's wild. There is, I cannot tell you how much sex is in this movie. There's a lot, (laughs) there is a lot of sex in this movie. And I think, I think that's what's freaking people out about it. The most right now is that it's just, there's just a fucking lot of sex and Emma Stone has a lot of sex in the movie. Um, that's just the way that it is. Uh, that's just part of the story. Um, it's wild. It's crazy. It was. It was a. a I. I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, I saw it on a date with a guy that I'm dating, and um, you know, we've we've seen a lot of films together. This is probably our craziest one yet, and this one is fucking wild. Um, I don't really know what else to say about it. I. I guess uh, just go see it in the. Do you recommend? Do you recommend it? 
Yeah, I'd recommend it. You know, I, I, I there are parts of that I'm still kind of trying to get my brain around. Sure. If, if I'm being honest with you, but like, I'll definitely say this: all the people that I listed there give their give, give a performance that I, I don't know how they did it for this movie. Like, like they they are dedicated to this film and its insanity, and they all do a really great job. And it's wild. It's not my favorite movie from Yorgos Lanthimos. I'll definitely tell you that. I think I the, the two I listed before I like degrees more than I like this one, but I still enjoyed this, and I and I think it's definitely worth seeing. And this is another one that I would say if you've got the chance to go to the cinema, go see it there. Can I ask you one question? Yeah, of going into this movie, sure. Is it is the dialogue as weird as Killing of Sacred Deer? Yeah, but in a different way. I mean, okay. like if if you if you've seen his other movies, like The Lobster, or, or like, like I said before, The Favorite, you 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 start to see how they're all of like he has a base style for everything. Okay, and so like part of that style is is like how he writes. Or how I forget actually who wrote this. Uh, who who did write this? Tony McNamara wrote this. I'm not sure if Tony McNamara wrote the other films, but regard. Oh yeah, he did write the favorite actually. Um, like th- that that style is going to be there no matter what because Yorgos hmm. Lanthimos creates. He creates a whole world where his characters live, and sometimes that world is is also our world. But like he he creates an alternate version of it, and so the dialogue by necessity has to be a bit different. And so you will find in this kind of the same but it's not quite the same stodginess as as killing of a sacred deer yeah because that movie is wild man (laughs) so good jesus christ uh all right my next one is uh the new season uh or i guess i would this season and is it i don't know if because they're calling it true detective night country yeah because true detective is is an anthology series but right you can call it it a season that's fine so this would be like the fourth season this is the fourth season yeah true detective i i watched one and two i have not gotten around to three Um, but i i didn't hear anything about it so i kind of didn't think i had to so i don't know um but uh, watching season four because jodie foster i fucking love jodie foster I, I don't know what to tell you about that. Amen. Um, and listen, this show is wild with a capital W. Yeah, it's weird. It's very weird. <laughs> um, it takes this season of True Detective takes place in Alaska, where Jodie Foster plays the uh, the sheriff of of a small town. That if you've you know, think Thirty Days of Night. If you want to reference a horror movie to, to kind of go along with this, where they don't have sunlight for about thirty days. And that on the second night of darkness, they find a almost like thing like thing out in the ice yeah. of all these scientists that were at this like uh, site that was kind of pri- a private company. research center. Yeah. And that they are just frozen in the ice, all naked, all with terrified looks on their face. Someone has clawed their eyes out. Someone has their tongue ripped out. It is insanity yeah and then they in the whole season is them just trying to figure out like what's going on and it's all tied back to this um indigenous woman that was killed like i think like five or six years ago i yeah, can't Annie. the timeline on this show is a little bit funky i will say that it takes you Welcome a minute to like, detective well it takes you a minute just to like like figure out who's who and how they're all connected and it it it, it took me a second i'm not gonna lie it took me about 
two episodes to like understand the relationships in the show because there's just a lot going on. Um, but I will tell you, this one got it's got me it's got my ears perked. Oh, that's uh, good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I was not a huge fan of the first two seasons of True Detective. Um, I know a lot of people love that first season. I just couldn't. Yeah, sure. I, too many, too many monologues. Too much. Just I, I couldn't get on board with it. The second season was just a huge mess. Like nobody knew what they were season doing. Season two was not good. Um, but this season, I feel like they're like there's and and they're. Do you feel like they're actually going to let supernatural things happen in this season? I, I, I kind of doubt it if I'm being honest. Like uh, I think that that's always the hope and then it doesn't really ever happen in 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 these. But like, like I mean I mean for instance there is a woman who sees her dead ex-lover yeah, and the sure. dead ex-lover like uh guides her to the the ice people the <laughs> the, the the homunculus. Yeah. Um I mean yeah, I I mean we'll see what happens. I I don't know. I mean like it's um one thing that yeah, I'm glad that you're liking it. One thing that you should look at is that um, there are a lot of Easter eggs in this, right? So there's there's a ton of imagery that all harkens back to the first season. And so there's a lot of connections here that have not been made yet, but like the spirals and mm-hmm. even like even like the like like the name of like the the fish packing company and like the beer that they drink, that's the same beer in every season. Of, huh. of true detective or uh, and i forget like there, there's there, just like google it you'll see there's so many things that they do so well with it and we're starting to see now how things might all be connected in this true detective universe um so it's it's really interesting stuff yeah i i was a big fan of season one season two i don't know anyone who likes it season three i don't know it was a little bit better mahershala ali was good in it that kind of thing this this one this one definitely has a lot of promise. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing like how it just how it keeps developing and how it ends up. And we're like more than halfway through, so yeah. hopefully we'll get some answers here soon. But I'm really Ain't enjoying good. it. I'm liking the atmosphere. I'm loving Jodie Foster. I think she plays a really complex character that sometimes you love and she sometimes does. you're like, yeah. girl, what the fuck is wrong with you? Get it, get it fucking together, you weirdo. Yeah. Anyway. Um, nice. Nice. Um, my next one is Panic in Year Zero. This is a film from 1962 um, from Ray Milland. Um, and this is this is a weird movie. This is like um, this is like an atomic era, like post-apocalyptic film. Um, okay. I watched it on Criterion. I think I watched this on Criterion. I'm pretty sure because um, Criterion right now has like a post-apocalyptic post-apocalyptic film like 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 marathon thing um for millions <laughs> why too. wouldn't you uh, yeah right um but this one's really good um ray milland is in it and also in it is frankie avalon so like this is like baby twink frankie avalon oh weird oh my god who's really cute by the way too um and and it's really good it's it's a wild little movie i had never heard of this before and it's literally just about an uh, uh, la and a number of other cities get nuked basically and this is life after that. But it's, you know, instead of like, you know, the more modern versions of this that we've seen, this is from 1962. Um, oh, wow. so it's really cool. It's in black and white. I had a great time watching this. Um, and also, too, like what's, what's a little bit different about this one is that like the heroes, which are the family. Right. So like um, it's like mom, dad, sister, brother. And Frankie Avalon is the brother. Um, and Ray Milland is the dad. Um, like they have to resort to like 
like everyone, like the world has gone mad, of course, and every, everyone's looting, everyone's doing whatever, and they have to resort to that stuff too, basically. Hmm. So like, it's, it's an interesting little like dichotomy going on here of like, of like what's good, what's bad, you know, what, what, what are, what's really morality right now in the face of like, you know, nuclear Holocaust. Um, so really interesting stuff and also entertaining at the same time. I really loved watching it. It, it was not very long at all. Um, so if you have access to watch panic in year zero, you should watch it. It was really good. It kind of gives me what was that 80s movie with the guy from Third Rock from the Sun the day after the day like, was that? oh yeah yeah it so kind of like that but like the day after is a lot more dramatic i would yeah. say and like and like maybe even a little bit overboard this one is more like how can i say this it's almost like a western <laughs> in some ways oh, if, okay. if you think of it that way it was really good all right cool um what what year is that from you said 1962 Okay, awesome. All right, my third one is uh, a movie that I've seen kind of floating around the horror community that I wanted to check out. It's called The Passenger. Mm. Um, This is currently on Amazon Prime if you have it. Um, You can access it there. Uh, The Passenger, it stars Kyle Gallner. Um, He's kind of been in a ton of little horror things here and there. I can't wait to see this because it also has Johnny Berktold in it, who's so cute. He must be the other the other He's main the other character. Yeah. Um, so basically what this is about is like imagine the people that you like get fast food from at like your gas station in Indiana. Like, you know, those those people. Yeah, sure. Imagine one day one of them just gets fucking fed up with everything and basically kills all of his kills all of his uh co-workers and then takes one of them hostage and just goes on like a crime spree kind of like falling down if you will oh yeah i was, I was gonna say it's, it's like falling down yeah um but like modern day and but but the the, the thing with the passenger is that kyle gallner kind of plays our, our titular character who takes kind of one of the the people hostage but the way he does it is that he wants to like Basically, he knows that this is going to be the end of his life, but he wants to fix the other guy's life in the process. Basically, like, what's going on with you? How can I fix your life by basically committing murder and crazy stuff with my life basically? (laughs) Okay, wow. um, It's it's gory. It's it's very um, introspective of like what our culture is like these days and like why people just feel so just fed up with all of it. And so like feel like they can't win at anything. So like there is a lot of like really true stuff in this little horror movie that was just, it's a really good movie. You got to watch it. I'm surprised this didn't go to theaters, but um it was a surprising watch. I really enjoyed it. So if you if you have access to Amazon Prime, you can watch it now. It's The Passenger. Yeah, I, I can't. I've, I have not watched it yet. I'm very much looking forward to to watching that. I mean, it is gruesome. I will tell you that. Like, it's not for the faint of heart, but it's yeah, we've watched it's good. Yeah. yeah, true. <laughs> um, my final one is <laughs> is Phone Booth from Joel Schumacher. Have you seen this? Is this the Colin Farrell movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, so, when I saw this on the list, I was like, "That surely uh, the cannot be the Colin Farrell." Oh, no, 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 movie. it is. So, so once again, this guy, this guy I'm dating, we we were we were at my house, and we, it was one of those nights where it's like we're gonna watch something, but there's just nothing to watch. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so we were flicking, and he was like, "Oh, we're just gonna watch this." I was like, "Fine, whatever," because I had never seen it before. Um, it is indeed the 2002 masterpiece phone booth <laughs> from Joel Schumacher, starring Colin Farrell and the voice of Kiefer Sutherland. 
Forrest Whitaker is also in this and Katie Holmes being that early 2000 Katie Holmes that we all know. I think I her- saw I think I saw this at the theater when I worked at the theater. <laughs> yeah. You, you, know, you know, like when Katie Holmes's face could only do one thing and it was sort yes. of like angle down and smile with like mm-hmm. a weird crooked smile. Like that's what she does the whole movie. Anyways, um, phone booth. I wrote a review of this on Letterboxd um, and this is it. My review was, this is not a great movie. Ha ha. No shrug, man. Um, (laughs) That was it. I gave it one star. This movie is colossally bad. It's really, really dumb. And um, it's so funny to like, because like like when you're looking on Letterboxd, you can see like what other people that you're friends with on Letterboxd rated it. And like somebody gave it four and a half stars out of five. And I'm like, "Are, are you kidding? Like you gave phone booth four and a half stars anyways phone booth is basically what it sounds like there is a phone booth in times square for um, for those of you listening that can't that <laughs> that were born after 1999 yeah. we used to have phones on the street yeah um which is funny because i mean he also has like this dude also has like two cell phones at the same time but he uses this phone booth he enjoys using it for business anyways um he is uh, Colin Farrell is the guy, and there is somebody that is tracking him, unbeknownst to him. It's Kiefer Sutherland, um, who is basically a serial killer who is hunting down people that he thinks are bad people, basically. And so this guy has the idea in his head that because Colin Farrell's character is calling Katie Holmes' character, that he's a bad dude. Why is he a bad dude? Because Colin Farrell's character is married. Now, has Colin have Colin Farrell and Katie Holmes ever hooked up? Have they ever, you know, been in a relationship or anything? No. Colin Farrell apparently just kind of gets off on like the idea that maybe he could do it, basically. Well, this serial killer does not like that. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> I do not so, remember any of the plot of yeah, this movie. <laughs> well, I'm telling it to you now. This is this is award-winning shit here. So what does he do? He waits until Colin Farrell is in the phone booth and then he calls him and he's like, if you leave that phone booth, I'm gonna shoot your ass. I got a fucking rifle pointed at you right now. And that is basically the whole movie. It just comes down to Colin Farrell can't leave the phone booth. And if he does, it's going to be bad. But he gets attacked by prostitutes. He gets attacked by a pizza delivery man. <laughs> there are cops. There are this. His wife comes along. It's crazy. And it's we very. We need to use the phone. <laughs> yeah, basically, that's what it was. Um, It's very dumb. And what's funny, I was, you know, I was trying, I was trying to think like, um, Okay, it's it's 2002 New York. There is something interesting there. Like, if, like think about this, right? This came out just after 9/11. You know what right. I mean? And he's in Times Square. And right. so I got to imagine that like all of us back in 2002 must have found this exciting, you know, because it was a New York story and like all the shit was still going on with the with the war on terrorism or whatever you want to call it. Like that's what that you know is, 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 does that make sense you know yeah, yeah. like no yeah so i, I don't know I, I was trying to keep that in mind just to like give it some kind of some kind of slack um but it didn't work it is it is a terrible movie um we did watch it we finished it i we we laughed quite a bit um <laughs> and that's it that's phone booth i do not well, recommend good. phone booth congratulations <laughs> there you go i watched it so that you don't have to nice i like that uh we watch it so you don't have to mm-hmm. um so my last one is not typical for me um i don't necessarily love Ooh, true i watch crime. this too yeah i don't necessarily love true crime documentaries because i feel like it's 
I don't know. I, I get like, I feel a little like guilty about watching true I get, crime no, documentaries. I, I totally get that. I get that. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, this one, though, I had heard recommended from a couple of people. So I, I went into it. I knew it was only three episodes. So I was like, you know what? We can knock this out in one night. Yeah, sure. Like, it's easy watching. Uh, this is uh, American Nightmare on Netflix. You said you watched <laughs> this as well. I did. Yeah. Um, this story is wild. Fucking, um, fucking nuts. The story. Um, so basically, the story is is that a woman goes missing, and the man that is left behind has a very elaborate story to tell the police about how he was tied up and about how he was told he couldn't go beyond a certain perimeter, otherwise he would be like either targeted or killed and da 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 da. And he doesn't end up calling the police until like 24 hours after the one woman goes missing. And they just flat out don't believe him. And over the course of three episodes, I'm not going to give anything away, but you get kind of like three perspectives around like what happened on this night and how it all comes back to a larger crime. And it's very interesting to see that like, God damn it, our police system is at the end of the day is just dumb people. Again, like we're all just dumb people (sighs) trying to like be dumb people in a dumb world. And like, if we would just like open our ears every once in a while, we would probably get a lot more done. But instead we stay in our lane and we put our heads down and we just, you know, follow circumstance by circumstance. And we don't ever try to look outside the box. And in this whole documentary, it's so funny because it's such a elaborate, crazy story. Truly. Truly. That like that like one woman by just googling something kind of solves. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, 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 and it's crazy. I mean, it's 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 a it's a great story of people not doing their jobs. Like, yeah, you, exactly. like you just you didn't do your job and you and you thought you would get away with it and you didn't. And I mean, it's it's wild. I mean, yeah, you're right, Andrew. Don't give anything else away if they haven't seen it yet, because it's it's. De- I think it's definitely worth seeing because it and like, it's, and the, it's, the reveal is it's fucking nuts. It's fucking and, nuts. And in its whole entire thing, it's probably only about two and a half hours, so yeah, it's probably, not yeah. like a huge thing. But yeah, but wild. I, it is. It's a crazy story, and how it ends up tying back to like other things, and you know some of the things that you don't get solved by yeah. the end of it. You're just like, what the fuck? And you know, it, it does a great job of like making you think one thing and then flipping your brain. You know, yep, that's yep. what it does. Um, that was all of them, right, Andrew? We did them all. That was all of them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, cool. That that was what you've been watching, bitch, for episode one fourteen. Andrew brought us the traitors on Peacock. True Detective, Night Country uh, on HBO, of course, or if you're over here on now, um, The Passenger on Amazon Prime and American Nightmare on Netflix. And Maddie brought us The Zone of Interest, which is currently in cinemas, Poor Things, which is probably going to be on demand soon, but is currently in cinemas, Panic in the Year Zero, which if you have the Criterion Collection or the Criterion uh, uh, app, you can watch there, and then Phone Booth, which, you know, just Google where you can watch that. (laughs) Or actually just don't, because you don't need to, remember? Um, Andrew, that's another edition of What You've Been Watching, Bitch. I think that our listeners can stay tuned for our first film coming up next, which is The Taking of Deborah Logan. The story of Alzheimer's is never about one person. Hey, Hey, Ma! They want to make a movie about me. Yes, we're going to have fun. 
right? Yeah, man. Okay, good. There's no cure. And so when I am in the middle of something and suddenly my mind just leaves the premises, there are no words to describe. This is not normal sleepwalking. You really gave us all quite a fright with your late night gardening. If I encouraged this memory to come out, would she then have some peace? Do you remember a man named Henri Desjardins? Voice changes. Letting all my heat out. Self alteration. Feeling as if your body belongs to someone else. The notion of spiritual parasites does exist. I feel um, right as rain. Are you giving it away or are you taking? Well, in this case, we're taking and we're taking Deborah Logan. <laughs> Maddie, tell us all about the taking of Deborah Logan. Andrew, what was that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that was good though. Just let, just let me have it. <laughs> you know, folks, by the way, with those, we 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 make them up right right then and there. That's how genius we are as podcasters. Anyways, um, evil lives within you. What starts as a poignant medical documentary about Deborah Logan's descent into Alzheimer's disease and her daughter's struggles as caregiver degenerates into a maddening portrayal of dementia at its most frightening as hair-raising events begin to plague the family and crew and an unspeakable malevolence threatens to tear the very fabric of sanity from them all. I really went for it there. Um, The Taking of Deborah Logan was directed by Adam Robitel, written by Gavin Heffernan and Adam Robitel, produced by Eagle Films, distributed distributed by Millennium Entertainment. Deborah is played by Jill Larson, Sarah by Anne Ramsey, Mia by Michelle Eng, Harris by Ryan Katrona, Dr. Nazir by Anne Bedian, uh, Gavin by Brent Gentile, Luis by Jeremy DeCarlos, and Kara by Julianne Taylor. The film is rated R. It's 90 minutes long. It's American. It was released October 21st, 2014, uh, filmed in Charlotte, North Carolina. And Andrew, I could not find any budget info on this one at all. I also don't think this was a theatrical release. So I don't think it that... was either, so probably none out there. Anyways, um, taking the Deborah Logan. It's not a first watch for either of us. Uh, but Andrew, I know that you really do like this one. So tell mm-hmm. us a bit about uh, your thoughts on this watch. Yeah, I remember I watched this. I want to say it went to Netflix back in 2014. I think you're right, yeah. Because I remember watching it there, and I remember recommending it to you at the time. yeah. yeah. Um, this movie took me completely by surprise because when you're going into it, you don't, at least for me, and you, you can speak to your experience, I didn't really know like what to expect with this one. And it starts off so innocently enough to where you're like kind of lulled into like a little bit of like a, oh, okay, like this is not going to be that bad. And then by the end of it, you're like, holy shit, what yeah. is happening? <laughs> yeah, I agree. Is, 
<laughs> it gets crazy. Um, but what I really enjoy about this movie is I think that the main performances, specifically Deborah um, and Sarah, and even Mia to a certain extent, all have like very key roles within within this movie. And I think they do a really good job, especially Deborah. Um, that's just like such a committed role to be in. Yeah. Sure. I don't know how that actress did that because when you first see her, she's like a very prim and proper, like um, I would say like East coast person, like, yeah. <laughs> um, and by the end of it, she's a snake demon. So <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but it, it, listen, do I have some issues with this movie? Of course. But at the end of the day, I think that it's kind of a celebration of the found footage, like like that part of it, because I do think that it does pull it off. Does it get a little messy towards the end? Yeah, I, I will say. But the lead up to it and the premise of it, I think, are are so original that every time I watch this, I'm really surprised by it because whoever put this together, which I guess it's Gavin Heffernan and Adam Robitel, like they put a lot of thought into this. And yeah. I, I really do applaud kind of the originality. You know, we just talked about, you know, talk to me, which we, we praised for being very original. <laughs> yeah. But like, this is really original and like yeah. really interesting. And like, does tell a very compelling story about kind of this like Alzheimer's disease and about family and yeah. about um, just, you know, what, what the whole premise of this episode is, is getting older, but just yeah. like it, it, it's, it's, it's very honest to a certain extent until it gets into the supernatural. And then it, it does obviously go crazy, but overall I was completely taken aback from this movie back in the day in 2014 and still am today, to be honest, because I, I do think that it's a really good movie um, with a lot of surprises that I honestly, I don't think I watched this movie since I originally watched it because there's a couple of parts that just, and we'll talk about it, but just yeah, sure. fucking great my brain <laughs> like yeah i, can't, I don't want to watch <laughs> like, but, um but overall really like this movie what about you yeah uh i, I like it too um there, there are some issues in character development that i'll talk about later um but they're they're pretty ancillary if i'm being honest like and they're just like a, a couple of things that annoy me but like listen there i have a podcast i gotta talk about something do you know what i mean yeah, yeah. so like Overall, I think this is a really good movie. And also, I did not realize that Jill Larson, who plays Deborah Logan, was Opal on All My Children for all oh those years. Did not realize that until I just looked at her fucking IMDb. Anyways, um, uh, also, she was in Shutter Island. Um, she was mm -hmm, in Manor mm -hmm. and some other things. Um, she was also in White Squall, or as I call it, a movie to masturbate to. Yes, of um, course. Uh -huh. Yep. Uh, God, those guys. God, they were so cute in that era. <laughs> I think we just, should we just have an episode about White Squall because we've talked about yeah. it enough. <laughs> I am. I'm fine with that. And also, I'm going to watch that later. Maybe we'll see. Um, anyways. Uh, yeah. So look, it's it's a, it's a really interesting movie. Um, uh alzheimer's is crazy and um i've only known one person that has had it and that would be my cousin chucky or charlotte um and chucky was fucking awesome and um my uh my my cousin my dear cousin mark uh and and his husband robert 
um, took care of Chucky until she until she died. And so, you know, I definitely saw sort of like the the breakdown of somebody with Alzheimer's and, and how it goes. And, um, you know, I think that this film is, you know, obviously it's a horror film. They're going to show the, the the darkest side of that possible. Well, she's you also I mean? possessed by a child right. murderer. So. Precisely, precisely. So, I mean, what what starts as a movie about about that, about Alzheimer's, just turns into really a possession horror movie in the end. Um, and I think that they they do a really good job of it. I mean, like uh, listeners, long time listeners will know that I'm not the biggest fan of like found footage. It's not really my thing. Um, but this one I think does a pretty good job of it because it's not shitty found footage. Like it's mm-hmm. it's supposed to be produced because like it's a film crew making it, you know. But also, I mean, like, and someone's gonna say, well, what about this or what about that? Like. Yeah, but it's not like um, it's not like uh, Blair Witch where it's like jumpy all over the place. Do you know what I well, mean? Well, the good thing about this movie is that they establish that they are editing it while they are exactly. filming it. Right. So right. like that's why you have like music stings or that's why you have like the graphics and Agreed. stuff because yeah. they're they're they established that like the first half of this movie, they were editing it while they were filming it. Yeah. So the only thing that I don't really like about this movie and this is pretty nitpicky, Andrew, to be honest, is the development of the crew, like the character okay. development of the crew, like the Gavin guy, like there, there are parts of it. I even, I wrote, I guess I watched it again today just to, just, to, just because, um, there are parts where like, where I wrote these down. What was it? Um, where are you? Uh, like Gavin, you, is the Gavin the one that likes to touch everything? Yeah. And he's and like, he's like, he's kind of like a dick. And like, like honestly, th- that's a great place to start when, when he comes in and he starts touching stuff. I'm like, what is this? And then he's like, is there a Starbucks in town? I'm like, Oh, come on, man. Like this, <laughs> this is where we're going with it. And then like when, with the part where he's like, um, uh, Luis is in here and I, I'm in the camera and guess what? I don't know what's going on here, but I'm going to go hang my aunt's cross on the window in my head, I was like, why do you have your aunt's cross with you? Number He's one. He's definitely the weakest character of the yeah. bunch. And, and that's just it. Like everything with him is just, it's not good. And the what the thing that I don't know, maybe you know about this about the movie, is how much of this was scripted. Do you know? I don't actually. I can imagine that they probably had a, a much like uh Blair Witch Project, they probably yeah. had like an overall like um arc of like what was gonna happen. But a lot of it was probably ad libbed. I think yeah, sure. uh, a lot of the beginning of the movie, like when they first are introduced to Deborah and she's kind of taking them around the house and she's kind of like, oh, and no co-mingling and do 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 and yeah. like all that. So I, I, I'm guaranteeing that that most of that is yeah. ad libbed. So um, I, I, I think that's I think that's some of the ad lib, which ad lib has a tendency to do, can feel a little cheap here and there. Yeah, but well, some some people can do it and some people can't. And some and I some think, people can't, right. I think that Anne Ramsey, who is a seasoned actress, is good and, at it. And, and Jill Larson, who plays Deborah Logan, are very good at it. Precisely. Whereas, whereas like lesser characters like Dr. Nazir or <laughs> Gavin Dr. are not Nazir. as good at it. Yeah. Okay. We talk about Dr. Nazir. The moment I knew Dr. Nazir was not a doctor is when she said hypocampus instead of hippocampus. Yeah. And I was like, honey, that's just that's just I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. And I think everyone knows how to pronounce hippocampus. Like that's yeah. just that's how you pronounce it. Um so yeah, and also I just kept thinking Abu Nazir from um from uh what is it, Homeland? 
homeland. All I could think about was Abu Nizir the whole time. Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like Gavin is literally like the weakest link of this movie. From from and, the moment I mean, from the moment he walks in to the to the the moment where he's putting the cross in the window for no reason, or when he looks at the looks at at um at deborah's paintings and he's like this old lady's got issues i'm like oh man well that you part didn't, pissed me off too hard about this that part pissed me off because he just throws all the paintings on the floor mm-hmm. <laughs> i was and like that's those just are it. paintings it's, and see that's just it it's like i don't understand why the filmmakers were like let's make the crew contentious like i i do like once again i, I like the movie let's just you know establish that but like, I think that it could have been even stronger if the crew liked each other. You know what I mean? Well, like, this is the thing. Like, if you introduce a character like Gavin, who is kind of a doofus, who is kind of just like not respectful of yeah. anything, then that character deserves a fitting ending. That Agreed. character deserves kind of like a comeuppance at uh-huh. some point. Yeah. And be, and just in this movie, he just gets to leave. In this movie, he drives off with a horn that goes do 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 do, and I was like, no, yeah, <laughs> that no, that just I, doesn't work. I will totally agree with you. I think the character of Gavin was not handled yeah. correctly, and I think that we could have gotten something better from that character. But at but the other end than the, day. yeah, but other than that, though, I mean, th- this this is a film that really works. Now, I do I do also think that like you got to kind of stretch a little bit to like get into the whole Monacan culture thing. Like it's it's definitely like whoa, that comes out of nowhere yeah. here at all. <laughs> well, like, wait, when whoa. we go when when we go to the uh, the one um quote unquote doctor of <laughs> and he's like he's a doctor he's got he's got like Britannica encyclopedia behind yes, him. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And so and he's like, well this is clearly a snake ritual from the Monacan natives. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> snake ritual? Um but what's what, what's what's actually cool about that is that like I mean look it's a little bit corny if we're being honest, but it does work. And I, but I think it's original at least. It's well, that's just it. It it works for a number of reasons because, like, literally, if look, once again, it comes out of nowhere. And because it comes out of nowhere, if you're not going to commit to this, it's not going to work. And let me tell you, they they fucking they commit to it. And I think that you're absolutely right. Like, look, Jill Larson really gives it all in this. Oh my god, she's Ugh. she's incredible. I mean, she she has an awful lot to play here, and she plays it all. I think the the best that she possibly could play it. When when they are going to interview her after she's had one of her first manic episodes, mm-hmm. and she just looks right at the camera and she goes, "Well, now I just feel right as rain." And yeah. I'm just like, "Oh my right. god, bitch!" You <laughs> like, know what? That that's that that's fucking all my children coming back. That that's what helped her there. I would say that maybe the only other part that could have used a little bit more development was was the fact that her daughter's a lesbian like yeah it didn't I, I, like i guess it wasn't it wasn't clear that you know that her mom accepted it like yeah she knew but kind of didn't know or didn't want to know more you know well, what i mean it, well and it's also kind of like i didn't really understand like why it even mattered like there there was there was one part where like it was it was after she's digging in the in the ground or whatever and yeah um, and mia's washing her hands and like she's Ooh, clearly that part where she's looking at that camera. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And like she's clearly still in some kind of state. And she says, "My daughter doesn't like men. She never cleans her nails." And I was just kind of like, "Okay." And <laughs> like, got it. <laughs> so I mean, like, I, I don't know. It, it, maybe that was a thing that, like, in the ad libbing of this, like, you know, a lot of times when when those when development like that like that happens in a story, 
like the like literally the actors get together and just make it up sometimes. And like this, this is a it's a good strand. It's something to think about. Like it's it's definite like great development for for Anne Ramsey's character to like you know do something cool with it. I just don't think that maybe it played out as neatly as it should have in the movie. Well, but yeah. once again, that's that's something that doesn't deter or detract from the fact that it's it's still a great horror film. Well, for instance, there's a part where they are packing away all of Deborah's um I, I call them precious moments, like those little statues. Her, statues. her, those are Hummels. They're Hummels. Yeah, uh, they're like little statues of yeah. like little little people or whatever. Little little and, they're, they're little German guys, and they're 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 kind of packaging them all away. And Deborah's they they have a moment where Deborah's like, "Well, I don't know why we have to do this." And Anne Ramsey's character goes, "Because you're eating them," but they never go back to that. Oh, so like, yeah, sure. So like. I kind of I know where you're coming from. Like the ad living sometimes like it reveals something about the script that maybe the filmmakers didn't intend to have sure. in the script yeah. so that they don't have a way out from that. Um, but I, I still think like that's actually one of my favorite lines where she's like, well, you keep eating them. Right. <laughs> so it's like, but I want to know more about that. But, but then again, too, like, I mean, like Adam Robitel hasn't directed that many movies. Like he's, he's directed some, some, he's directed a couple things that are pretty big, like insidious, the last key he directed that, mm. um, escape room and escape room three is coming out in 2025. I guess he's with that and escape room. I don't know. I didn't watch these, but Escape Room and then Escape Room Tournament of Champions. He directed both of those. Oh, yeah. And I then, saw both of those movies. Yeah. And then something called The Saga of Bloody Benders. Oh, I don't, I don't know. Oh it looks like maybe that, that might be like his college film. Um, anyways, he hasn't directed all that much. And so like this is definitely like his first big one. And so look, first time directors are there, there's going to be something, you know, something wrong that's just by that's just like the nature of the game there's not a whole lot wrong with this um i th i think that the the possession stuff really works quite well it's scary oh when, um, it's it's bloody it's gory it's crazy um when, i'm sorry but that like both these movies will have to talk about skin stuff and i brought it up earlier in the uh, episode, too much like, skin like when she degloves herself to get out of the handcuffs i i'm not into that I could not handle it. Or like there's that part where she's sitting with the physician and they're doing like a memory game. And she's like, I don't know. I don't know. And she's just itching her arm. She's like, you know, like nervously itching. And then she just tears off her skin. I was like, I, there's a reason why I haven't gone back to this movie. And it's yeah. because of parts like that where I'm just like, I can't, see that <laughs> like, because it's, see it's because andrew loves his own skin he wants it to stay on his body i just i i am terrified at the idea that my skin will one day be so thin that it will just come off like paper andrew yeah, seriously <laughs> like paper yeah um i do like the the turn in this movie we talked about it a little bit but where you know deborah logan was once kind of the uh town message taker so she controlled like a switchboard she had, she had an answering service yeah and she would kind of be employed by all of these like upper echelon people that needed like messages taken and that's how she hears about you know the physician killing little girls um, we get the turn that the guy has Lou Gehrig's disease and he wants to live forever. So he is completing a ritual by a snake God um, <laughs> where he has to kill five women that are on their menstrual cycle, which yep, yep. 
but which by the end I was like, well, this little girl is clearly not. Of- well, isn't it like it's like their first menstrual cycle though? But that little girl looks like she's only about nine or ten years old. So I mean, they get that from what I, I I don't know anything about this, but I think like don't girls like isn't it the fact that like girls get it really early now though? Like I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not even trying to be dumb. Like I I thought that I, heard that I thought that and and listen, I'm not a woman, so I don't know this, but from all of the females that I know who were born in probably between 1980 and 1988, sure, yeah, that it 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 came around like 12 years old, 13 years old. Yeah, um, fair. She she doesn't appear to be that age here. She doesn't. But maybe because of her condition, you know, she has cancer. Oh, that's a maybe. good point. Yeah, sure. I don't know. Anyway, um, I do like the turn that like we kind of get like, you know, the beginning of this is all about a documentary about Alzheimer's, but then we get the turn that like DeHardine, the doctor, which is really funny because I grew DeHardine. up with a girl. I grew up, I grew up with a girl and her last name was DeJardin. <laughs> I was like, wait. <laughs> but, um, oh, it's so funny. And I do, you know, the first freak out is where Deborah is like, you took my spade, you took my spade, I can't find my spade. And then that comes back at the end to where that's what she used to kill. I do, I do like those little moments that they do telegraph very early on in the movie yeah. that if you don't pay attention, you won't, you won't think about. But there are a lot of little Easter eggs that you sure. really find on a second or third watch of this movie. Um, and then we're, and then we get the most meme worthy part of, or, you know, most gif worthy part of the taking of Deborah Logan is where she is swallowing a little girl. Yeah. <laughs> like a snake. Um, because I don't know if you have seen like her, that her on, damn mouth open up. She's, she's unhinging her jaw to swallow yeah. a, I would say nine-year-old girl. You know, it's <laughs> because, it's dinner. It's dinner these days, you know? Which that's the only part that I didn't quite understand because we're led to believe that Day Hardeen back in whatever, when Sarah was a child, um, was killing these girls, but he wasn't consuming them. Well, so and, like he also hadn't really transformed, right? I mean, he was just like a maybe man. that's maybe that's just what happens on the fifth one. You know I what guess? I mean? Like maybe that's like the 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 extra part sure um but then we learn from harris who's the next door neighbor that sarah was supposed to be the fifth victim uh. and that's why deborah killed de hardine i do think that that's a nice little turn <laughs> before for the movie. before harris gets drunk and brings out a shotgun um I, <laughs> I did think it was funny that when when the police come to get harris not only is he drinking a beer He's drinking a beer in a brown bag. I was like, yeah, of course, you you really you really piled that one on on yeah. you with the brown bag, huh? Um, I do like all of the uh, language where he's like, where the little girl's like, he's a nice man. He's gonna clean me in the river, like those kind of things, and how she's speaking French and yeah, like because ki- a- kids are fucking creepy. And there's a lot of the, like, listen, this movie is pretty scary. I'm not going to lie. There are a lot it of is. parts that made me jump. Um, I thought the running line of the addicts was really hilarious. How that one guy, Luis, is like, damn, how many addicts do you people have? <laughs> <laughs> because they have at least three addicts. <laughs> and he's like, damn, all you white people with your basements and addicts. <laughs> Southern people are crazy. Um, but yeah, just overall, I think that this movie has a lot going for it. Um, I will say I got a little, um, 
sick of the uh, found footage by the end because I just wanted to see what was happening. And it was just so like, oh, the lights are off. Oh, the lights are on. Oh, it's night vision. It's night vision now. It's lights on, off, lights on, off, night vision. And I'm just like, can you just let's just wrap it up here. I, I will say <laughs> too, there, there's one moment in the midst of that though, where like they're down in the cave or the, the mine or whatever. And um, there's one part, I don't know if you felt the same way, but like where you're kind of like, could this maybe turn with like a little bit of a weird reveal? Like there, there's a moment where I was like, what if this turns into uh, like, like Sarah being in on it in some way. That's, you know what's really funny? The first time I watched this, I thought that was what was going to happen because she's so into it and yeah, she's so right. like she she she's like just so accepting of everything that she like feels put on. Yeah, that she's like leading Mia into like being yeah. part of it. Exactly. Like you know what I mean? Like right. it's, yeah. it's, it's it's almost like Mia's gonna get down there and Mia is the actual sacrifice. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I remember seeing this the first time and thinking that. So it's a good, good point. Um, a couple of other things. The spinal tap scene. Oh, I oh my god, Jesus not, Christ. I, I realize that that's an actual medical procedure and that's actually how it's done. Blech. But like that. The way that they linger on that, and they even show like the the I, what would you call that? Not bone marrow, spinal fluid, spinal fluid, spinal like fluid coming out Ugh. of that, like I, bubbling, bubbling out. Uh, of I could, I had to look away. Like I, I don't, I have like, chills. I have chills right now thinking about it. Honestly, my God, there are just certain things in this movie, like where they show her like um, her skin reaction, where it's like starting to scale, and oh, I was God, like, yeah, terrible. Oh my God, terrible. <laughs> the way that these filmmakers just linger on some of these like issues i'm just like wow you guys really committed to this so anyway that's the taking of deborah logan maddie here at friday the 13th horror podcast we judge on a seven stripe scale for the seven stripes of the gay old rainbow what do you give the taking of deborah logan i gave the taking of deborah logan a five and i said i like this film but i wish the filmmakers had made some better choices with character development And I gave it a 5.5. I said, I love this movie and its originality. I think the found footage aspect gets a little old by the end, but strong performances and a shocking ending made this a high recommend. That does it for the taking of Deborah Logan. We'll be right back with our second film of the episode, Relic. When was the last time you spoke to her? It's been a few weeks. Gran? Mom? Mom? She called me a few weeks ago. I think she was scared. She thought someone was coming into the house. Do you know where you were, Mum? I suppose I went out. What's this? I was on the property when your grandfather inherited it. His mind wasn't there in the end. You can't put Gran in a home. She can't live on her own anymore. She has to be watched. Everything all right, Gran? I thought this was where it got in. Who? Whoever was coming into the house. 
Mum, what is it? It's here. Under the bed. There's nothing under the bed, Mum. Will you check for me? I can see you. This house seems unfamiliar. You're so old, you're practically a relic. Andrew, tell us all about Relic. Everything decays. When Edna, the elderly and widowed matriarch of the family, goes missing, her daughter and granddaughter travel to their remote family home to find her. Soon after her return, they start to discover a sinister presence haunting the house and taking control of Edna. Directed by Natalie Erica James, written by Natalie Erica James and Christian White, production and a distribution was handled by Nine Stories Productions and Film Australia, handled by IFC Midnight. Edna is played by uh, Ribbon Nevin. Kay is played by Ed- Emily Mortimer. Sam is played by Bella Heathcote. And Jamie is played by Chris Bunton. This is not rated. Uh, this was filmed in Australia. It comes in in 89 minutes. It was released in the <laughs> horrible year yeah. of the pandemic on October 7th of 2020. Filmed in Melbourne, Australia. And the budget is not known, but it grossed just about $3.2 million. Uh, this is a first time watch for me. This was one of the ones that uh, looked depressing and I was depressed during the uh, <laughs> during the during the pandemic. So I didn't watch this. Yeah. Um, glad to go back to it and kind of see what was going on during this time in filmmaking. And uh, I think it fits our 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 premise here today. But Maddie, what did you think about Relic? Yeah, this is, it was also a first time watch for me. Um, Relic is uh, Relic. I think is it, it. It's an interesting film that where I think it just gets. Uh, it's like lost isn't the word that I want to use. I for was going to say it gets lost in the sauce, <laughs> but it's just like it doesn't. I don't think it really knows what it wants to do. And I, and I, I don't think it's bad and I don't no, think, all. I don't think it's exploring something not worthy of, of exploration. I just think it doesn't know how to end up with what it wants to end up at, which what I think is where, where I think this film wants to end is basically like, uh, like assuage yourself of the guilt and like take care of those around you the best you can at the end. I don't know. Is is that what you got essentially? Listen, I think that this is kind of like three movies in one and I don't know that they really committed to any of the, I think that's just it. Like any of the, like, I don't, I just wish that there was a little bit more here. Because there is a lot of stuff done really well. Sure. Agreed. And I think that a lot of the scares are good. I was creeped out a lot of the time. 
But at the end of the movie, I don't know what the fuck I just watched. Yeah. If I'm being totally honest, I, I, I texted Maddie the other night when I watched this and I just said, what is the last 20 minutes of this movie about? Like, well, and, and, and that's just it. It's like, I, I think you're right. It's like, it's like, a, it's multiple films in one in 89 minutes and it doesn't commit to any <clears> of them. Like, is this a film about guilt? Is it a film about mother daughter? Is it a film about mother daughter, mother daughter? Like is generational film, trauma? Yeah. Like, is, it a, is it a film about trauma? Is it a film about getting old? It, it doesn't, it doesn't know what to do with, with itself. And then at the end, is this a creature film or is this like, what? is it and i you know let's just skip let's just fuck it skip all the way to the end right so here's where the skin comes into play right this whole time like so just to to be clear here this is about a mother daughter and a mother daughter right so Mm -hmm. it's two Mm -hmm. generations and the 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 matriarch goes missing as as we hear in the plot and um and mother and daughter go to check up on on mother and also grandma um, and in the midst of, of it, they, they learn that they, they're going to have to stick around longer. They're going to have to be there. And, you know, there's, there's some contention about that. And there's clearly some, some, some drama between the, the, the younger mother and daughter, uh, as there is also drama between the older mother and daughter. So it just kind of plays down generationally. And in the course of all of it, just a lot of crazy shit happens, but you don't really know what's going on. And then it ends up <clears throat> after a lot of crazy shit with the uh the the matriarch and the um and her daughter in a, a room where the daughter peels off the skin of the grandma to reveal this like black bean underneath basically yeah. i have my notes is this an alien is yeah, this, I, I literally uh, wrote the same thing. I was like, an alien? Is that what we're going with like, here? Is this a fairy? Is this like a... Because, you know, like yeah. in a lot of like... In a lot of like Irish stuff, which can carry over... It ends to up being UK, a fairy. Yeah. yeah. It ends up being like a... Or, or a fucking mermaid fairy. or something. Yeah. 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 So I was like, is that what we're trying to do? But we never get the answer. So <laughs> you you never get the answer. Also, also did you know that uh, Jake Gyllenhaal produced this? Oh, no. <laughs> Crazy. I, I did not know that until I looked at the, the credits and I was like, oh, wow. Executive producer was also Joe Russo was, was one of the producers. Uh, Mike LaRocca was one of them. Um, just uh, some people you just didn't expect in there. Anyways, yeah. I, the, that, and that just ends up being the thing is I don't really know what's actually occurred in here. And well, and then we also say, get, just, we get just, the just, side. Go, sorry. Yeah. I, I, just, I just want to finish out the, this one thought. So, um, so the skin comes off the black bean beneath the, the youngest daughter walks in and they all kind of cuddle together only to reveal that the middle mom also has whatever the grandma had and the daughter is freaked out by it. Of course, mold so people, they, they all have this thing and I don't know if it's, I don't know what it is. I, I, I just, I don't, I don't know, Andrew, we watch enough movies and analyze enough of them. I should be able to get this, but am I dumb? Is that what this is? No, I, I get what they're trying to say. I get that they're trying to say that like, um, like deterioration, Alzheimer's disease, those kind of things are generational and they're, they're handed down by genetics. Like, so you're predispositioned. Like if whatever your parents have, there is a predisposition that sure. you could probably have that too. And that's kind of like what that's alluding to. But like, 
what the fuck is the woman? Like, what is the grandma? Is she, is she possessed? Is it was because throughout the movie, we get like this sort of like being in the background. Like there's the part where, um, the grandma is like, it's under the bed right now. And Emily Mortimer looks under the bed and sees something breathing. Does she look any further? No. No. That's what really frustrates me about this fucking movie. So, I mean, is is that, is, is that it then is, is Alzheimer's the thing trying to come in the house is that what this is alluding to the whole time or is it like something to do with the grandpa no idea or the great grandpa that lives out in the shed like and and that's that's just the thing it's it's like the film is only 89 minutes long it's not enough time to like make this idea occur so that you actually understand it like what the, the plot even says discover a sinister presence haunting the house and taking control of edna at the end of the day, you don't know what that is. Like, I'm and just gonna be when does clear. it happen? Yeah, exactly. Because she's kind of crazy throughout. So, so yeah. So, does she have Alzheimer's, or is it an actual being possessing her? Right. It's right. like with, with Deborah Logan, we learn this is not Alzheimer's. This is not dementia. It is the presence of a fucking <laughs> a businessman doing a snake <laughs> ritual, right? Yes. So, like here. I, it is is at at the end of the day is it the bean or is it alzheimer's or what is it just make it clear and like I, I, what i what i wrote down after i watched it because i watched it again today and i watched it last night i said i'm sure the symbology and the meaning hits somebody that watches this it just doesn't hit me and at the yeah. end of the day i just i just i like i said there's there's great things about this the acting is really good it looks like, like a really cool movie like like it literally looks cool like the um, environment is really good yeah like and, the, the and it's not a terrible idea it just doesn't it just doesn't work it doesn't quite cross the finish line for me Agreed. um i just i was really i was really frustrated by this movie because there are so many parts where our main characters which is essentially emily mortimer and her daughter and there are so many parts where they can investigate further where they, and they don't. don't like the part where the 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 washer and dryer is like rocking back and forth yeah. and like she goes to check it she looks in the washer but she never looks in the dryer yeah and i'm like the dryer is the one that would make it rock back and forth like that not the washer so why and then she looks under the bed and sees the creature oh her mom dropped a book on her so she she hit her head on the bed and you dropped it on me on purpose. And so now you're not going to look again because you saw clearly saw a creature under the bed breathing. Agreed. Like I, it's, it's, they do these things that are really creepy and really scary. And I really want to be on board. And then they just cut away to another scene. And I'm like, well, wait, what, 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 what I don't like, I don't like it when horror films do a thing and then pretend, and then there's a character that pretends the thing didn't happen. Right. I, I, I don't, I don't get into that. Like, unless, like, unless it's being clearly developed that, that, that character is like avoiding that, then fine. But like, literally she acts like it didn't happen. And like it's not because she's pretending that it didn't happen. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. So absolutely. It's, it's like oh, okay. so it's at the end of the day, like what is the audience supposed to do? Like you, well, you you have one character who's supposed to be the rational one here, saying there's nothing there. Okay, do you want me to believe them or not? Well, and highlighted by this this scene right here, 
Towards the beginning of the movie, they both are awoken in the middle of the night by a banging in the wall. Yeah. Right. And the right. and the banging in the wall, then they see that there is clearly like a water damaged wall going up the fireplace. Do they do anything about it? Nope. Like yeah. they just walk away, no big deal. Clearly, I think Edna in all of these characters are suffering from uh, from mold poisoning because there's True. literally mold in this entire house that they do, do not take that? care of. And it's clear because the walls in this house suck and <laughs> they just go through them all as they're all kind of like trying to get away from the bean or from grandma. Well, and then we have the whole side quest of them being in like the upside down of yeah. this house that I was like. What are we trying to say here? Because yeah, the, the 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 young woman Sam, who looks exactly like a mix between um, Emily Blunt and Jane Levy, <laughs> they good point. Like, yeah, good point there. Um, she goes into a linen closet that then goes into a mysterious hallway that then leads into like literally like an Alice in Wonderland ver- moldy version of the house that she's in. And we never get any sort of explanation of what's happening. <laughs> yeah, it just and, and that's I mean, God, we, we could probably spend another 10 minutes just going. We don't know what happened. But I mean, I do think that at the end of the day, that's just it. And I mean, th- I, I, it's a shame because there there are some really interesting like generational things here that, that I think could have been explored better. And, and a lot again, of re- and a lot of really good scenes of great. like this old woman like freaking out about like the the whole part where she like gives the ring to sam and then later on she's like why do you have my ring and like those parts are all pulled off really successfully the human the human interaction and the trauma parts of this movie work really really well it's the supernatural crazy stuff that i just don't get I mean, look, and there are other people that really love this movie. So yeah, I've done this on other episodes where we look at some some letterbox reviews. Um, there's uh, Schlock Horror who uh, says that it's the final 25 minutes that had me on the edge of my seat. It's the execution that will most probably upset people. But I thought the payoff was brilliant and heartbreaking. Um, another person that we love dearly, Joseph, uh, says haunting, eerie, unsettling with an unexpectedly heart rendering ending. Um, the hopelessness of watching the person you once knew become a shell of themselves uh, while all you can do is lay there and watch. So, I mean, you know, like I said, th- this is a movie that that clearly hits for other people, for sure. And I don't think it didn't hit for us. I just think both of us had the exact same vibe from this, which was we are, we're, we're disappointed that the confusion was not maybe allayed here. Yeah, I just, listen, in every movie, do I need everything explained 100% to me? No. no. But like, yeah, of course not. I do need like a little bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and and like, there, there's another one here from um, from Evolution of Horror, another really great horror podcast in the UK. Um, and Evolution of Horror says some cool stuff here. And this is what I really agree with, Andrew, but a bit heavy handed, felt more interested in themes and metaphors than characters and story. Yes. I think think that's just it. It's like, you know, the the last part of it, I I wrote like the last part of it is a bit histrionic. Like, okay, I get it. Like 
the 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 mom is no longer the mom she's just like this this you know peel away all the layers and this is what this is the the being that's left there and you know care for see what's there and care for it and be compassionate like i get all of that but like that's a little much but you can't you you can't also follow that up with her chasing them through the house with a knife while her (laughs) leg is broken and that's just it right it's just it it, it takes a, a little it takes the 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 twists and turns to get there are too much, I think. Oh, and another thing I will say about both of these movies tonight is, everybody, we have electricity for a reason. Yeah, Turn on a goddamn real. light. <laughs> Jesus Christ, just fucking put floodlights in the fucker if you need to. And God's also, sake. Edna, I will buy those candles from you. Tell me where you sell them on <laughs> Etsy because I did like them. <laughs> Thank you, Edna. Thank you. Um, I, I did have in my notes, I'm like this, every time this woman goes to take a bath, she lights about 70 candles. And I'm like, do we feel like real. this woman should be, Jesus. like, should be like having candles? Like, I didn't mean, you know, to, to speak to some of the lines that really did work, you know, there, there were some that I wrote down today, which were, um, such a coldness in the house. Uh, it's just been waiting until I'm weak enough, alone enough. Um, or when she looks at her daughter and says, I'm losing everything. Okay. Yeah, really, that that was you know that that's really whew, that's the whole scene. The whole the whole scene in the woods where she's going to bury oh, yeah. the photo album, album yeah. that was harrowing, and that was like Agreed. really well done and really, I think hit home what was happening in the movie. But like you said earlier, or like one of those reviews that you read. It's get it just gets a little heavy handed by the end. Like That's we it. we get it. Like you you successfully pulled this off by that scene in the woods, and you there's just there's so many parts where I think that this just this movie needed an editor, and I I yeah. think that it maybe would have been more successful as a hour long movie because. I think that the whole like yeah. upside down and like where like they're in the walls. I just think that that is unnecessary for what you're trying to get across in this movie. So I, I totally agree with you that this could have been a short. And I also think, but th- th- this might sound dumb, but I don't care. This could have been animated. And, and, and in some ways I wonder if like the mystical nature that, that, the filmmaker was going for would come across better. Exactly. Could have come across in a wholly different way that like, it, 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 you've seen an animated film like you just like by the essential nature of it you, you know that you're kind of in like a different universe because it's fucking animated duh yeah so you almost it, need like that one layer of like unbelievability you complete, know what i mean yeah, exactly and that might have given this a layer i mean like look and use the voices of these incredible actors and you know go for it but like i just sort of wonder if if that medium wouldn't have wouldn't have served the story in a better way yeah, I know. I totally agree with you. I I get what they were trying to do, and I think that they were successful in certain ways. Yeah. But I think when they tried to turn it into like a horror movie, it maybe was not as successful. Completely agree. Andrew, what did you rate Relic? You know, I'm going to give Relic a 4.5. I think that, you know, when the creeps are there, they're effective. But I think overall, the story is just not quite baked and i really don't know what happened at the end yeah i'll I'll be right with you i'll also give it a 4.5 and i said that something in here just gets lost and the end feels a bit histrionic i suppose 89 minutes in a is a is just a short time to develop such a big story
All right. Well, that will do it for our horror in the movies. We'll be right back to talk about the year that we were born. Later today, Flossie's family is going to be coming out here to throw you a big birthday party. Are you excited for your party? Not one bit. (laughs) This is Flossie Dickey, and check it out, folks. We got her her very own Good Day Spokane coffee mug. She is enjoying some coffee this morning because, Flossie, you say you're a little tired this morning. Is that right? I am tired. She is very tired. That's actually, I heard, your favorite activity to do at the center here is to take, take a little nap. Take a nap many times as I can. Well, folks, that does it for episode 114. But before we let you go, we'll end, as usual, with one of our classic trademark games that have really difficult rules. Mm -hmm. Um, And this one, Andrew, tell us about it. So based on the fact that we're all getting old, I thought we should look back at when we were born. Yeah. And let's do a couple of little trivia questions about the years that we were born. I'll quiz Maddie. He'll quiz me. And we'll go from there. Sounds good. All right, Maddie. In 1982, when you were born, what famous soda went on shelves for the first time? Uh, Pepsi? Think a version of a soda. Uh, cherry Pepsi or cherry Coke? You're close, but uh, this was the first year. Dr. Pepper. That, no, no, no. This was oh. the first year that Diet Coke appeared oh, on the store really? shelves. Mm-hmm. No way. Okay. Also along the lines of that, Crystal Light, Pepsi Free, a French's Bold and Spicy Mustard, and Vianetta Ice Cream all appeared on shelves in 1982. Vianetta Ice Cream. I used to think that, that was like only fancy people. They were the mm-hmm. one, they were the only ones that could possibly afford <laughs> or people Vianetta. that or people that were on um uh shop till you drop or you know <laughs> Those, I feel like those were always commercials that were on during game shows. But <laughs> um, Andrew, in so you were born in 1984. Mm-hmm. In the 1984 Academy Awards, oh, who gosh. do you think won Best Actor? Oh, I can't even think of what movies came out at night because it well, would be 1983. Okay. How about this? I'll, I'll give you the list of winners and you can choose which one. How does that sound? Okay. Yeah, perfect. Okay. So Albert Finney for The Dresser. Tom Courtenay for The Dresser. Tom, Tom, I know, I don't even know what those are, to be honest. Um, Tom Conti for Ruben Ruben. I've never seen that before. Michael Caine for Educating Rita or Robert Duvall for Tender Mercies. Uh, Educating Rita. Uh, It was Robert Duvall for Tender Mercies. Yeah. You know, I have never seen any of those movies that you listed, so... (laughs) I have seen I've, seen, I've seen Educating Rita, but that's the only one that I've seen out of those. All right. In 1982, what popular listening device first appeared on shelves in Japan for the first time ever? Listening device? Yes. Um, personal listening device. Was it the Walkman? Compact disc player. Yes. Uh, oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Uh, God, so it would not it 82? would not make it it would not make it to the US until the next year but it was wow. in Japan at the time. 
I, I did not know that was 82. Okay, cool. Um, Andrew, in the 1984 presidential election, Ronald Reagan won. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who did he defeat? I don't remember. <laughs> Who did he defeat? Can you get it? Um, it would have, it was, was it the president before that? So I'm, I'm, this is going to be a two part question, actually. So who did he defeat? Did he defeat, um, what's his face? Senior. Um, our president senior, uh, I can't think of his name right now. You know what I'm talking about? Um, No. Okay, so that didn't get it right then. No. Um, <laughs> who is it? So he defeated Walter Mondale, who was oh, the former, I knew that. Who was the oh. former US vice president. And uh, now here's the second part of the question. How many states did Ronald Reagan win in this election? He was pretty popular because he was a film star. So I'm gonna say that he won 38 states. He won 49 states. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? He won every state except for Wisconsin. That's the one state that he didn't win. Wow. Well, like I said, he was a pretty popular landslide, as they say. All right, Maddie. uh, Moving on to adult beverages. Okay. What from Anheuser Busch? They had a new product this year. What was it? Anheuser Busch. Bud Light? You're correct. Bud really? Light first appeared on shelves in 1982. Oh, it's crazy. Okay. Oh, it's, it's, it's so same year as Diet Coke. Mm. So everyone was on the diet light trend. <laughs> isn't, isn't that really just interesting? That's so interesting. Um, the last one that I have here for you, Andrew, is a win second here. I just lost the list. Here we go. What was the number one hits oh god there, there were some good fucking songs in 84 84 is holy a huge shit. hit for, holy for shit music. okay but andrew what was the number one song in 1984 from billboard's hot 100 can you give me the artist oh or does that give too much away well no, no no you know what i'll tell you because this this artist could it could be a lot of their songs right so the artist was prince hmm when doves cry? When doves cry was the number one. Yeah, uh, I, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you the the top five just for fun. Uh, no, actually, I want to give you the top ten because these are fucking awesome, Andrew. Okay, number one. Listen, if you put on a 1984 Holy Spotify shit. playlist, it's jam packed, like incredible. Number one was When Doves Cry. Number two, What's Love Got to Do with It? Number three, Say 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 from Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson. Number four, fucking Footloose from Kenny Loggins. Number five, Against All Odds. Take a look at me now from Phil Collins. Number six, Jump from Van Halen. Number seven, Hello from Lionel Richie. Number eight, Owner of a Lonely Heart from Yes. Number nine, Ghostbusters, Ray Parker Jr. (laughs) And number fucking 10, Karma Chameleon from Culture Club. Hello. Great year for music. Fucking A. And surprisingly, number 17 is Time After Time from Cyndi Lauper. Down the list. Underrated hit. Well, God, I fucking love that song. Makes me cry every time. All right. Well, that will do it for episode 114. We've been at this for a very long time. 114 years we've been at this now. (laughs) 
We only do one episode a year. Right, 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 right. Um, so just a couple of things before we close out the show. Uh, you know, if you want to support Friday the 13th, if you've enjoyed this past two hours of a conversation, you can do so by becoming a Patreon member on Patreon, a patron on Patreon, or you can buy merch at Friday13.com slash support or search for us on Patreon. Um, also, folks, if you uh, are not able to support us or if you already have, no worries. You can leave a review for us, which is also extremely helpful. It helps other people find the show and it helps people get into the show. So leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. That would be super helpful. Um, you can also talk about us, of course, on social media where you can find us at Friday 13 on all of the social media things. Um, and Andrew, um, the other thing that everyone listening can do right now as far as I'm concerned, is they can go and get, get slayed. slayed. <laughs> <laughs>